Welcome to No One Will Be Seated. I'm Jason. And I'm Fred. And I don't even have any idea what that intro was. Did you like it? It was it was okay. You know, here's the thing. When it comes down to it, if you were to do a like a rating system, yeah. I feel like that's not a green splat. I don't <laughs> understand Rotten Tomatoes. I really don't. That that rating system like is awfully like just fucked to me. I'll look at it and it's like this is some arcane shit like i don't understand this i feel like it's outside the realm of human understanding but it's i mean it's really easy it's a not ripe tomato splatted against the wall right but it's like you can have a low rated still good tomato (laughs) right it i mean i could have sworn i've seen like a as as like a barely passing good tomato and it's like well look if i found a, a barely passing good tomato in the grocery store i wouldn't get it i have zero frame of reference because i hate tomatoes do you really? I don't like tomatoes. Oh man, that's I a like shame. ketchup. I like ketchup, but you it's just are like a four year old sometimes. You know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt that um, as far as that stuff goes, sometimes the the son and father revert or uh, reverse roles. Because here's the thing, Smeg. Next time I come up, I'm gonna make you eat like some tikka masala or something. Some what? Oh, dude! It's so it's great. It's this uh, it's this Indian dish. It's like a tomatoey curry. It sounds like something that Geralt of Ruvia hunts. <laughs> yeah, like you gotta Kikimara. gotta beware of the uh, the dreaded tikka masala. It uh, lives in the in the caves and I don't know, probably hunts young women. Oh, Jesus! And that's that's how all the shit seems to go. Is like half the monsters you kill in The Witcher are like young woman hunters. Yeah, or young women who've turned into that. Yeah, it's like you're you're never safe. You're gonna run into a quest in a like whatever the next Witcher winds up being, right? And it's gonna be like you're hunting down this uh, woman who was abducted, and you kill the monster, and then come to find out the woman is also a monster. Yeah, it sounds classic Witcher, actually. Yeah. 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 So normally we would be taking a look at genre films or the history of genre films one year at a time, but uh, not this time. We're still taking a look at the history of. Star Wars, which is a genre upon itself. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've been, like, looking into some, like, film history stuff, and it's, like, it was a huge chunk of, like, bringing sci-fi back. Uh, and this will be, this will be, I think, the most recent one, isn't it? Like, it's, it's uh, not the most recent chronologically, but it's the most recent released one. It actually is. Yeah, that was kind of a little bit of a debate, um, was how to watch these, if we wanted to do it, like, in order of, of release, which would have been the OT and then the prequels, and then, you know, this stuff. But I thought it was wiser just to do the timeline. Yeah, it just it makes so more this sense. fits in between um, episodes three and four, but before Rogue One. But it is the last one to come out. This is the one. This is the movie that has affected um, Star Wars in general the most of anything because it's really thrown um, everything at you know post Disney Lucasfilm into like. Not disarray, but definitely um, in a, into a different era. Right. Um, let's see. So did you see this one in theaters? I did. Yeah, I've seen um, I've seen all of the post-Disney Star Wars like on opening day. Okay. So, yeah, this you one I saw. braver than me. I would never see one of these opening day. <laughs> There's just so many people. And I would feel compelled to dress up, and I just I, I couldn't do that. Yeah, I usually go with my stepdad like during the day, like like the noon or like one o'clock showing or sometimes the 11 o'clock showing. Gotcha. 
on a Friday typically to, um, you know, to avoid all of that. They're still pretty full, but typically, um, this year I'm actually, um, well, actually next month I'm going to see, I already have my tickets to the fan event for the rise of Skywalker. So what are they doing for, uh, for that fan event? It comes on at five Thursday night. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a little out. I think it's supposed to be like an hour earlier than like regular showings. And they give you like a poster or something and you get like a free popcorn and, you know, okay, that kind of stuff. I did the same thing for, uh, I believe it was Infinity War. I got like a gold coin and like a motion comic and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, thanks to uh, me picking up uh, Regal Unlimited, uh, the night that they came, the sales opened up. I like grabbed it and I paid, I think five bucks for the upcharge because it was a special event. You know, what's funny is I, I feel like, uh, we're going to wind up becoming shills for like now individual theater stain, uh, chains, um, chains. ticket services, right? Yeah. Whereas upon like back in, in film guild for the last like four months of it, we were like really, really going after, uh, how great movie pass was because right. it was until it then. wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like we're just going to do the same for movie chains at this point. I'll, I'll like pick up an AMC stubs or whatever. Oh, you should. <laughs> I probably should. It wouldn't be a bad idea. I don't know how much it is per month, but I guess we're doing this thing. I should definitely, uh, make the investment. Yeah. I, um, I pay, I think 21 because where our theaters are at, it qualifies as this as the middle package because they're based on like where your theater is at. Okay. So like the $23 one or whatever, you can go to any regal, and like the middle one covers like X amount and then like the smallest one covers like the least amount of theaters. Okay. Based on, you know, where your theater's at. Mine was in the middle tier, so I pay twenty one. I can see it's basically unlimited. Um, and I can watch stuff multiple times. Um, and you get I think it's like ten percent off of snacks or something, and you get your points, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually a pretty good deal. That's um that's not awful. I I should really look into mine uh Especially like if I wind up coming into a little bit more money or something, that's definitely a uh, a good option, I think. Yeah, AMC's was pretty good too, um, from what I read. We don't have AMC's in Oregon, so see, and like <laughs> really we, had to wait till Regal started theirs. Yeah, we had a Regal uh, in the mall, and then that got shut down. Now it's a uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. Oh, because little Dick's. Yeah, I know, right? Eat a bag of. Um, oh, I sorry, I like I. I miss having a theater there. Uh, that theater was so good. I've got so many good memories tied to that. That's where we watched uh, uh, fucking the first Star Wars episode one. Yeah, I've been to that theater a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, and now when I, I lived there when I was young, like for a few years. Um, and I would go to that theater all the time. In fact, actually, that theater, I believe, is where I saw Return of the Jedi. Oh, really? I'm 98% sure it was me and uh, like four friends from school. Like our moms dropped us off and uh, we saw it there. So I, yeah, I didn't, it, that didn't occur to me, but yeah, I totally saw Return of the Jedi there. Yeah. And uh, it has since been just eaten. Oh. By the uh, slow death of moles. You know what else has been eaten? Uh, what? Lucasfilm's urge to put out one Star Wars a year. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thanks to the film that we're about to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, in case you haven't been keeping track, is going to be. Solo, yeah. A Star Wars. I was story. just thinking. I'm like, I don't think we actually announced what we were what we were covering. We, we didn't. <laughs> we danced around it a bunch, and we we're like, people will figure it out. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they saw the title when they click download. 
Um, I was going to like ask about all the, the development stuff, but I feel like that's something we should maybe talk about as we're going into it. Yeah, we can definitely get into it when it goes. Um, some of the sources for the stuff that um, I'm spouting out, because I'm not going to claim that I knew all this stuff before, but mainly uh, New Rockstar's um, channel put out a, um, a video for Easter eggs. So some of the like little stuff on the shelves that pop up and things like that, um, I got from that. I, I like to give them a shout out because I can't claim that I know all this stuff. Um, but yeah, so we'll get some behind the scenes stuff. We'll talk about the development issues. Um, we'll talk about... Uh, kind of some of the reasons why this didn't, you know, this is almost considered a failure yeah. um, in the Star Wars universe and, and why that is and, you know, all that kind of jazz. Typically we do a, an episode or we will do a, an episode that's a full length commentary and then the next week we do like a shorter version uh, for people that don't want to sit through a podcast for two hours. Yeah, where we would wind up like um, discussing like uh, our our take away from the movie and, and things like that. Um, I think it'd be the general purpose of those, those secondary episodes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but for the star Wars films, we're just doing straight through commentaries. Um, so you can, um, right now, well, at least for the next, uh, this one, I think for the next year, um, I want to say it's like July or something of 2020. I guess I shouldn't say that cause that's not very evergreen. Is it to say for the next year? Uh, probably not. No. Um, Anyway, at this point of recording, it's available on Netflix. Um, you can uh, fire a copy up and listen to it um, or listen to us as, as uh, the movie goes. Or you can just listen to us anyway while you're cleaning your kitchen and doing dinner. Um, I know somebody who's actually doing that. Hi, Angie. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, are you ready to get started with this? Yeah. We're going to be starting this film uh, at the beginning again at time code zero zero. Yeah, it worked... Uh... Worked a lot better last time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just, yeah, it less processing like, cycles. I have to like divert to that kind of thing, the better. Yeah, exactly. It just, it it's also makes it a lot easier for you at home. If it's just, if you're watching on Blu-ray, I was about to say DVD. If you're watching on Blu-ray or on streaming or something, basically just hit go along with us and then you're, you're good. Um, yeah. So are you ready to go? Yeah, let's do this thing. All right. Let's head into the theater and do this. All right, I have got the movie pulled up on my screen. Yep, I've got the same on mine. How about this um, time you do the countdown? Okay, I will do my best to completely demolish it this time. Hey, oh, that's right. Last time we trusted you this, we ended up like three seconds off. Yeah. That's right. I, I, will, I, will, um, I will do good this Fred's time. Fred's going to do a countdown of uh, three, two, one, start. Yes. And I believe we're going to go on start. Yes, we will. Okay. I'm going to do this every time. <laughs> All right. So this is me doing it for realsies. Okay. Three, two, one, start. And I've started. Got it. One, two, three. Okay, perfect. Lucasfilm logo still makes me tear up, but not right now. Um, And then a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Here's the thing is I, I always have that, that anticipation of the Fox logo. Yeah, so let me ask you a question about this, because this is different. Yes, right? it is. This is even different than Rogue One. Rogue One, it does that bit, and then it just slams into the um, into the movie. This actually has the same blue font, and it comes up with kind of a, um, I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it, right? Yeah. Three text cards? I don't know. Yeah, something like that, that like kind of uh, pulls in towards the camera. 
Yeah. How do you feel about that as opposed to doing a crawl um, or not doing one at all? When it comes down to it, I don't mind it, but I would almost wish for just no crawl at all. And like, I feel like half this stuff you could probably just establish in the filmmaking okay. itself, you know? Sure. Um, I really wish that there was a crawl. I wish they all had crawls. Kathleen Kennedy came out and said, well, the crawl is for like episode like saga films and the other ones won't have it. And I kind of, because even like video games used to have that, right? Right. Yeah. They would still do the crawl and like kind of do, I love this bit. Yeah. I like seeing that, that Star Destroyer under construction. Actually, I don't yeah, mind we're on Corellia, which is a little different than I've heard it or I've seen it referenced. Um, I like this where you're flying into the logo instead of the logo flying away. Yeah. Um, I always thought Corellia was kind of supposed to be like more of a beautiful planet. Yeah, I always assumed like it would be more clean just based off of like the Corellian cruisers and stuff. Yeah, I had always kind of thought that stuff was done in the like stuff was constructed in the um, in orbit. Yeah. As opposed to like this is almost like Detroit times 50. Yeah, because I think we, we discussed that last time how it makes so much more sense to like launch these ships just from orbit rather than. Yeah expending the extra energy to get them out of orbit. But I, I mean, I don't know, you know, it's, I guess in, in the, to be fair, they don't have to really worry about earth physics in, uh, yeah. In Star Trek or Star Wars. Yeah. Here's the thing is I was even like consciously like, don't fuck that one up, that bro. Purpose? And then I, I <laughs> fucked it up anyways. I did that last week. This was your turn. Yeah. We, everybody gets one. Um, yeah. So, you know, Krillia's, uh, there's also like a possibility to, that, you know, under, you know, this is the, one of the primary space construction planets and under the thumb of the empire, maybe it's just going to shit. Yeah. Um, I like this bit because this is not Anakin and Padme. No. These two are together. They have feelings. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like very, it's, um, it's instant, instantaneous, like a fifties gangster <laughs> movie already. Right. Yeah. Um, it definitely feels like a, a like one last job type scenario. Yeah. I could actually, I could almost picture uh, Tarantino like reshooting this and still using a good chunk of it. Right. I adore uh, Amelia Clark. Yeah. So I was going to ask, how do you, how do you feel about her performance in this movie? I like it. Yeah. I think she's, I think she's actually one of the bright spots of this. I, I, I have a couple of like kind of deep complaints about this movie, but not anything close to what we've had before. Yeah. And none of it really like goes on the actors or anything. I thought the actors did fine. I thought her, I really liked her character. Yeah. I I feel like she, um, acts a really like just a nice range between, um, yep. now and when we get reintroduced to her. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I also, I really liked that, uh, that alien that had, uh, just popped up with the weird ass, like dinosaur face. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he'd be a good friend. I don't know. I want to give him nose pets. I want to try to do, um, less of like oh that was funny as opposed to saying what was funny yes yeah i was thinking the same because i've listened back to episodes and i'm like what what was funny what are you talking about yeah where it's like it works if we are uh watching it uh along with it but what do you think of lady proxima it's uh it's fucking weird it's like it looks like a weird snake monster or maybe closer to a worm uh with these with these hands and it's just like it's an interesting design i've kind of like how uh Oh yeah, it's gonna cut back to I I like how all this like jewelry is hanging off of it. Yeah. Yep. Um that's definitely kind of neat. She is voiced by uh Linda Hunt. Okay. Who um 
was uh, you? Well, you never saw Dune. Yeah, I did. Um, she I saw Dune. One of the C- uh, she was the um, Shaddam. Um, okay, well, really, really super it, short lady. When I say I saw Dune, that doesn't mean I remember Dune. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm suddenly like very much blanking what she's been in. You would know if you saw her. Okay, I, <laughs> so I will, horrible. I will take your word for it. Jesus Christ! I will, I will assume that she's got a face that transcends my mystical face blindness. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a professional film podcaster. One of our viewers tried to uh, tried showing me a picture of young Bob Ross. I think the other day. Yeah, and I had no fucking clue what I was looking at. <laughs> she's like, "Hey, who is this?" I'm, uh, you know, nobody can tell me. I'm like, "I gotta be honest with you. I got face blindness. I can't tell shit." She's like, "Why is every one of my friends suffering from some form of face blindness?" It's it's young Bob <laughs> Ross. I was like, "Man, I thought maybe like if if uh the dude from Archie and uh uh fucking like Arnie had a kid, got into a whole like junior situation." This is one of the bits that I think he hits Han like 100% with the thermal detonator that's the rock. Yeah. And he's like, and she's like, you made that noise. Yeah. I, I, that is the thing is I really, I enjoy his performance. Yeah. Uh, um, he's, Kira. Go ahead. Uh, Kira was um, originally the name for Ray. Oh, really? Yeah. And the uh, pre- uh, pre-production stuff, she's named Kira. Kate. K-I-R-A. She's like a Q-I apostrophe yeah, like, or something in this. Something like that. It's been a minute since I played Galaxy Heroes, especially with her. She was a very um, late addition that they had such an interesting mechanic in, in the game. Uh, all yeah. these uh, solo characters that I didn't fuck with because I had other shit to grind. Um, this looks. This reminds me a little bit of Lethal. I know you haven't seen Rebels, mm-hmm. but coming out from Lethal, Lethal City are these giant long highways. Okay. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of that. This is like definitely some American graffiti stuff. Yeah. Like uh, shot. I mean, Ron Howard. Uh, uh, Ron Howard came in and basically directed this in the end, and Ron Howard was in American Graffiti. Yeah, from my understanding, that was like one of his big breaks, wasn't it? I think I'd read through like a brief uh, like overview of, uh, of some of his career stuff. Like, did he do that before? Yeah, I th- he did that before Happy Days, right? Yes, I think so. I couldn't say um, for certain. So much focus on the dice, it it bugs me a little bit. Yeah, see, this is what I was talking about. I think last time, and the to yeah. be fair, the prequel suffered from this a lot too. Where it's like we have to explain how each and everything got here, right? Like yeah. this, we had to explain like uh, how three PO was made and how it's all connected, right? Um, I actually think that was something that was brought up a lot in the red letter media thing for uh, the prequels, but um, it feels like this really suffers hard from it. Um, I love these shield generators. Yes. Those are gorgeous. Yeah. I do like how visceral this movie is too. Like there's lots of buttons flipping, you know, lots of switch flipping button presses, you know, levers being pulled like i love it when you know they show him like reefing on that thing to kick it into gear yeah well it feels very much like this is how like the millennium falcon winds up working where it's just like there's just a bunch of like switches and levers and things to flip and nobody like will really understand how this thing works but it makes it feel real as opposed to like we had with the prequels where it was like it's the one button it just does everything yep exactly ineffectual stormtrooper again I mean, and that's the thing that kind of <laughs> destroys the idea of like, um, I mean, you've, you probably have heard well, the he fan theory where, and it's like, uh, oh, they are intentionally like not hitting on the Death Star and that sort of thing. No. Oh, okay. So the, the idea is that on the Death Star, when, um, 
This is a TIE fighter factory. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, when Luke and crew are attempting to escape the uh, Death Star, that the reason why they aren't getting shot is because um, they're intentionally letting them get away. Mm. Uh, so that they can, like, track back to the Rebel base. Right. So otherwise it's a thing no, of like, oh, head. if they did shoot Leia and Luke, then it's like, oh, well, we're just never going to find this thing. I think it's more like we're just not going to have a movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of our first big callbacks when she says we're not going to make it and he says, you know, watch this. That's from Empire when he's uh, going into hyperspace. Yeah. And the hyper drives fail. How do you feel about these uh, weird like dog monsters? They're weird. I, I guess that is like the, I, I basically summed them up, which is that one word like they are. <laughs> they're shown so briefly, but it, it is a thing where I, I kind of have a real appreciation for like alien creature design. You know, you yeah. and I have been playing a lot of uh, the Outer Worlds lately, and I am so right. in love with those sprats. Like, I find them yep. to be the cutest monster, um, and I hate whenever I have to kill one. <laughs> I mean, I don't. like, if I could get away with just running away from the rabid sprats, I would. Just because I don't want to have to, like, I don't want to be responsible for killing those things. <laughs> I love this look of, like, the empire coming into its prime. Yeah. This like, as well as just being a, um, like a city under occupation. Yep. Yeah. I really like that. I like, um, I like that. That's how they do rogue one too. Like in the, um, in the OT, you don't really see the occupation. Yeah. Cause it becomes a thing of like, okay, well, wait, 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 why are we actually rebelling? Like from everything we see, the yeah. not so bad. I mean, yeah, it's a bit fascistic, but you know, right. It's not terrible. Yeah. I, I I like the more expanded type of looks where like, no, this is, this is the occupation. This is how the empire is with most of these worlds. And she keeps those dice. Which is the thing, right? I would lose those dice immediately. <laughs> I would, I would stick them in my pocket. I would walk away and I've already lost them. I mean, we discussed, I think a couple of weeks ago, how I managed to like completely lose my wallet. And that's like an instrumental part of my life, right? Like that is, that holds all my financial stuff in it and I fucking lose it. I would lose those dice like nothing. Right. I like this bit where they're trying to, trying to bribe the empire. You know, there was that bit a little bit ago where, um, Proximus thugs, like the stormtroopers come up to him and they're like, Nope. And they just walk away. Yeah. It's like even, uh, the, even the empire knows not to mess, mess with them. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense that like, I could totally see being able to bribe the empire where she's like, look at the end of the day, it's just some bureaucrat. Like it's not really on their head. If you, uh, if you leave or, you know, right. manage to get away. And then, you know, of course oh. we have to have like the, uh, final go back uh, goodbyes thing yeah but i believe this yeah it's it is a believable sequence it's it's way better than like episode episode two wound up jesus christ I yeah i believe them i i believe them more i believe that like han's motivation is to get back here yeah. you know what i mean like that acting is is well enough that i'm like yeah i believe you guys have a connection and you're gonna do whatever you have to do to get back yeah well and, and within you know less than 12 minutes they already feel more like a couple yeah than uh, Padme and, and Anakin almost ever did. Yep. So that um, officer pocketed that Quaxium, huh? Yeah. I wonder <laughs> what they, uh, did they... Do you think that they wound up turning it in, or you think that they, like, uh, sold no, it off? No, she kept it. No, she yeah, she kept it and sold it. 
I believe that was Quaxium, wasn't it? Uh, I'm going to trust you. Oh, God. I just realized that I, maybe it's not. You know what? It was, it was, uh, was Nakwada. I'm fairly Did you just make that up? No, that's some Stargate shit. Oh. Uh, I actually, speaking of, recently rewatched the uh, Stargate movie. Not uh, not as bad as I remember it. I remember watching it as a kid, uh, probably in like middle school or something, maybe a little bit before then, and hating the hell out of it. Um, and just being like, this is some boring shit, give me my Star Wars. It's actually, it's not terrible. <laughs> I, can, I can see why it became a long-running series afterwards. This is one of my worst, worst bits. Oh, yeah? This is one of my, one of like two or maybe three things. I hate how they handled this name thing. Yes. Yeah, it just, it falls again under that. Like, we didn't need to have it explained. He could have already had no. just the name. Yeah. We didn't even need it for, I to mean, be like in, a, uh, in canon now, like some random Imperial officer has now like named like one of the biggest heroes in the galaxy. Yeah. Like, come on. And I know Lawrence Kazan and his son wrote this and I appreciate that, but. It is a decision oh, like, come yeah, on. but we didn't need this. So there is a cutout sequence here. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a deleted scene. This is on, um, I believe it's Minbon, um, where he is a mud trooper, I believe, which Minbon and the uh, mud troopers come from a novel called uh, Splinter the Mind's Eye. Okay. Which is like considered like, depending on who you talk to, like one of the first EU novels. Um, so that's a really cool shout out. But there is a there's a scene before this where he gets in an accident. He's a TIE fighter pilot mm-hmm. and gets in an accident and like disobeys orders or something. And he ends up before a tribunal um, who sentences him basically it demotes him from uh, the pilot program to the infantry. Okay. Interesting. So that, like that helps to explain like, well, yeah, no, he's, he's not just some cocky dude. He does like have some training as a pilot. Even if he's not not great. Yeah, which he was already. And I can't remember, honestly, what the situation was. But they had told him one, one thing and he was like, it disobeyed it basically because he knew that he could he could land it or something. And they were like, you're not following orders. And he was like, but I knew what I was doing. And they were like, no, bye. Yeah. I love this bit, though, because it's. It's like one of the few like instances of like actual like trench warfare. Yeah, and it feels like it would be like I don't know, it it's one of those those looks into stars that I always wanted, but I don't feel like I ever got enough of, right? It's it's what I wanted right. a lot out of uh Rogue One especially. Was a lot more of these like yes. I wanted it to be a World War II movie, but in uh space. Right. But uh we never quite got it. And I don't know, I, I feel like um this sequence alone like kind of delivers on it yeah (laughs) i love that laser gatling gun yep that is really uh really neat it is kind of an interesting uh you know look behind the lines per se of the empire yeah you know where you've got these you know gritty grimy muddy dudes that are just dudes you know they're not faceless stormtroopers that you know like it's it looks like they're in the middle of a war. I really like that. Yeah. Do, um, 
has there ever been an explanation for I guess I guess the stormtroopers you would expect to see a lot more on just like occupied planets or something right, right? like I would assume based off of like maybe armor cost or something like you it's probably more important to present a unified front than on the uh front lines I don't know I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out the uh how uniforms are worked out I guess yeah I don't know and but I guess not knowing like space supply lines or anything <laughs> It was like you can see the one uh, trooper to the left has got like a full, well, had a full uh, suit. He's uh, he's right. gone now. Um, meanwhile, everybody else has got these like half helms. Yeah. I like this bit, too, because it's like, yeah, he still has a mind of his own. Yeah. Which I feel like he's not be, afraid to speak out would be a lot more common in these ground troops over the uh, stormtroopers as well. I wonder if the stormtroopers are also just like the fully indoctrinated and these ones are just like more conscript than anything else. I don't know. I'm, I'm certain that there's I, a, an EU novel that like uh, covers it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Thandi Newton as Val. She's amazing in Westworld. Yeah. Yeah. She's absolutely lovely in it. And Woody's just Woody, right? Yeah. I, um, I recently rewatched Zombieland actually. And, yeah. uh, Man, I forgot how much I fell in love with him in that movie. Like, he's yeah. so good in it. Even if I'm not a big fan of that movie, I think he really, like, steals the scene. For sure. And even then, I, I mostly, I feel like I, I have a disliking to Zombieland uh, solely because of, like, how much everybody else latched onto it. Which I know is just my own, like, um, I don't know, contrarianism coming through. <laughs> But I don't know. It was just a thing where it's like after running through so many like rule number blah cardio posts after it came out, it was like, oh, I'm kind of fucking yeah. over it. Yeah. Um, he just said he'd been boosting um, AV-21s, which is a speeder that you can pilot in Star Wars Galaxies. So there's our Galaxies reference. Oh, yeah. We got to get one every time. Yeah. And the AT AV-21 is one of the custom built speeders that you can uh build and sell i don't remember that one but then again like i was always like i would build the speeders but then it'd be like well yeah but i'm not saving them for myself you were too busy like undercutting the market exactly man if we got into housing that would have been the dream oh i loved it i did that i loved all the uh the prefab houses and stuff there was always some like really cool designs and i loved how everybody like would fill them uh, with all these like collectibles that they found and stuff, it was always so cool walking into somebody's house and being like, "Oh, cool! They've got this thing. I don't know how you find that." <laughs> this is the bit where he's like, "Yeah, I'm a street smart kid," and he's like, "No, you just like, <laughs> you just got like outdone by people who are more professional criminals than you." Yeah. How do you feel? I love this. There's a beast. How do you feel about? That's what I was just about to ask you. <laughs> new canon meeting. Um, here's things I liked the idea of the old canon more, right? Um, yeah. from my understanding, that was a lot more like basically leading a slave liberate, uh, liberation thing. Right. I really liked that idea more than this, but it's, it's not played terribly, I guess. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I like the idea of, of him, you know, seeing how the Wookiees are treated and saving them. Yeah. And Chewbacca and him like swearing a life dead as opposed to this but i don't mind this either yeah the one thing that's kind of funny that a lot of people gloss over is the fact that chewbacca eats people yeah yeah <laughs> it's I feel like, like that's not explored often enough yeah it's like he hasn't he hasn't eaten in three days he's he would eat him 
There's like a dude dude's armor behind him. <laughs> exactly. I mean, look at those teeth. Those teeth are very good for eating bone. Yeah. Um, I never like really thought about what Chewie would look like just completely mud slicked as well, and I I don't think I like it. He uh, he, I I kind of like this where he's kind of he's a little bit uh, like feral. He's a little bit uh, yeah, a little gang gangly. You know, he hasn't eaten. He's you know all muddy. You know, I I like that. Yeah, there is a sense too, though. <laughs> <laughs> There is this bit where I do kind of like this. I like the idea of them fighting and then escaping together. Yes. Yeah. And, and like I, I want to say that I had heard somebody say that the life dead is mentioned somewhere in extended canon, but I almost like, I'm almost kind of okay. Not right. Seeing that, that it's an actual choice that he wants to remain friends and travel with him and that he's not indebted to it. Yeah. Finds that like they work really well together. Yeah. And especially, like, um, it's got to help, like, having a human to vouch for you in a world where, like, they would rather just see you chained up. Uh, number two in my n- not-like-at-all issues is the fact that he's actually trying to speak Shiriwook. Right. Completely unnecessary. Yeah. Like, Chewie can understand basic, he can understand Shiriwook, they should just be able to talk. Yeah. You know? It just seemed really like I, I I don't know I've heard anybody else and like speak that language and anything. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be like watching like Luke speak droid. <laughs> Which actually, I mean, I, that'd be kind of fun to watch, I think. Um, Moof Milker is like a shout out to The Force Awakens. Old Han says some Moof Milker put a compressor on the hyperdrive or whatever. I mean, it's an interesting like. Call back to a film that had happened two years ago. Yeah. Well, Kasdan, um, uh, Kasdan co-wrote Force Awakens as well. So, uh, you know, nobody can, uh, can complain solely about, like, Kathleen Kennedy not knowing what she's doing or something. What's that? So, so uh, nobody can really complain about it just being Kathleen Kennedy not knowing what she's doing. Right. I, I feel like that's one of those things where it's like if more of these Star Wars nerds had, like, considered that Kasdan had written... Some of it, they maybe would have looked at it differently. I don't know. I feel like so many of them are just like these these new people coming into my Star Wars. Yeah, right. Oh, those dudes. And we get a full look at the hell's this guy's name? Rio Durant. Uh, sure. I, I like yeah, his Rio design. Durant, who is who is voiced by uh, John Favreau? Like. I really like how he's like this multi-armed chimp. It's kind of dope, yeah. especially because it's like, oh, it makes total sense that he would be a uh, a pilot. Like, he's perfect for it. Yeah. <laughs> I love how he says Wookiee. Yeah, where it's like that. It's almost a you rather than anything else. Yeah, I like how he's like, he's the one who's kind of like, no, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Like he's the reason that they bring uh Chewie on board. It's like he's comfy to sleep with. See, and I, I like how it's like they aren't even considering how Han might help out. It's just like, well, Wookie's good. Yeah. Wookie's got some although I think um I love this look of the battle going yeah, on. Yeah, with all this smoke coming over. out that as is, well. Yep, that is cool looking. Oh, some Star Destroyers. I didn't know that before. 
Uh, here's the uh, the group shower. God, this poor drain. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> it's like competing for territory in the shower as well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't mind how they get together. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty passable. Like, it's all right. It's it's I not mean, the worst kind of get... thing, right? Like I could imagine way worse scenarios for how to get them together. Yeah, we kind of get a little bit of that on Kessel when they free the uh when they free the Wookiees there. Yeah. Yeah, like I I don't remember if it's necessarily in EU, but I always had assumed that like Han kind of just bought into things until he'd been on Kashyyyk and witnessed the Wookiees. Like I never assumed that he was a a dissident from the start. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I, but to be fair, I never had like read any of those original, uh, I don't know, sacred texts or whatever. Right. Like I, I was, I never like really got into like this star Wars, uh, comics. I didn't get into the EU stuff until like maybe a couple of years ago. And even then it was only like, I read Darth Bane trilogy. I read Thrawn and I think that might be it. Yeah. I, um, I really like, didn't really read a lot of extended universe stuff until the Timothy Zahn uh, books came out. And I, I fell in love with those. Although my stepdad has like a giant bookcase full of uh, old EU novels. It just, at a certain point, when does it stop feeling like fan fiction though? Right. For these, for the EU novels oh. where it's just like, there are so many times where it's like, you're just putting in your like self insert into the star Wars story and I'm yeah. not digging it. Well, that's, that's the thing too, is everybody had always, like I had always heard growing up or even in my later adult years that like, oh, well, Lucas approved all of those, you know, he would only approve the ones he wanted for canon. And looking back now, it's like, no, that wasn't the case. Yeah. There were like several different layers of canon that. Yeah. Just like all um, these timelines know. upon timelines and everything. Yep. That being said, I would be yeah. so curious to see, um, pre prequel. Uh, canon ideas on what the the Clone Wars looked like. Um, there was a shout out to Bosk, who was uh, one of the bounty hunters on Vader's ship. Yep, I love Bosk. He's a big old lizard fuck. Yep, and the Zan sisters, which are um, from the Black Sun and Shadows of the Empire. Mm-hmm. And uh, Black Sun is also one of the criminal organizations that uh, Maul is involved within the clone wars yeah so i feel like i gotta like start watching clone wars but i guess i have to get disney plus for that it's on netflix is it i thought mm-hmm. that uh oh or is it getting moved off of netflix with uh plus coming out i have not heard of it getting moved yet it's not on the list of stuff i just read interesting um but there is um they're they're like out of order chronologically right so there is a list that you can get, which I actually had, have copied. That's basically watch watch these episodes in this order to actually get the chronological timeline of the wars. I I kind of hate whenever that happens, right? Like I think the same thing yeah. happened with like Firefly, where it's like we'll just release these in whatever fucking order we feel like. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the what the theory was. I I think it was just one of those things where Lucas just wanted it to be a serial, right? You know, the, the, like, you know, you always hear about like the Captain Cody Flash Gordon stuff where he just had basically arcs. Yeah. They would do, you know, like four or five, six episode arcs and they would just, you know, kind of just do whatever. And they just ended up being, 
I like that he's cooking with all of his hands. Yes. He's like putting spices on the food at the same time he's holding the pot with another thing and then he's got like water or something in another hand. It just it feels so much more like it's a well thought out way that a, a species with multiple limbs like that would interact with their world. Right? He's one of my favorite characters. Um, as opposed and he lasts to uh, like all of like ten minutes. <laughs> as opposed to what was his name, uh, Dax, or was it Dex? From uh, Dex. yeah, Dex from episode two, where it's like yeah. for the most part, those other two arms didn't need to be there. Yep, they only existed to pull up his pants once. I would love to see one of those species like speak with their hands and just like really gesture wildly. I feel like that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I love this sentiment too, you know, where he, he wants to free his, I don't know, his tribe or family. I don't know which it was. And somebody says, what's the difference? Right. I love, you know, I mean, here's the origin of the DL 44. Yeah. You know, it was his rifle, basically, that he, you know, took the extensions off and just threw him the center part. Which I believe I had heard somebody, might have been somebody from Blind Wave, one of the videos I was watching, said that that's um, how they did the actual gun. Oh, yeah. Like the actual prop, it was like some sort of a, like, German rifle or something that they took the stock and the, like, barrel off of and stuck some stuff on it and created the DL-44. Oh, interesting. So that's kind of cool. I know that gun is always like horribly overpowered in every game that it's in. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of why. That's why it shoots differently than other guns, too, is it's supposed to be part of a rifle. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess I How really, you- when it comes down to what's the difference between a blaster rifle and a blaster pistol, right? Because it's like, unlike in the real world, I don't think that they fired different caliber of laser. Yeah. Oh, that's true. It seems pretty standard. In different uniform. intensities, and I would think. And it's like you're firing effectively, I guess, plasma is what it comes down to. Right. So, I mean, I guess that there would be a way to, like, charge plasma more in, like, a rifle or over, like, a pistol or something. So you get at right. least effect distance. But I don't know. How do you uh, how do you feel about the train sequence? Um, I don't mind it. I remember it lasting a bit too long. Yeah. I could have maybe used with, like, five minutes less. Uh, I, I don't know. I kind of dig it. Do you? Yeah, I kind of like how this makes it like a it makes it like a um like a heist movie almost. Yeah, I mean it definitely like hits you know? all those tropes, right? In a similar way like it's that a, final sequence out of um uh Revenge of the Sith like hits all of the the swashbuckler tropes. Uh this right. one definitely hits all the heist movie ones. Right. We don't get enough love, of train robberies today. <laughs> I love uh I love Beckett's gunplay. Oh, yeah. Like, the, well, yeah, I mean, this guy's a full-on pirate, man. Yeah. The way he twirls his guns and, you know, can hang off from the side and shoot him, it's like, I, he's such a badass. He's a, uh, he's definitely a, the Old Republic smuggler. Yeah, yep, exactly. Just missing the fedora. Yeah, I really like these, uh, these guards as, like, magnet boots as well. Yeah, that's pretty smart. I, uh, I just, I really like... I kind of like the bulky design of it. Yeah. And I also, I love the way that Beckett like uses the environment and stuff to, uh, yep. To like create cover and just improvise. I think it's definitely like shows, uh, like a proto Han. Yeah. He's a survivor. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. 
So yeah, so John Favreau is uh, the showrunner for Mandalorian. He was also Happy Hogan uh, in the Iron Man movies. Okay, yeah. He was also the director of Iron Man. I think one and two, right, or just one? Uh, yes, I think for at least one. I don't know about for two. Two's two's a he, weird uh, one, right? Um, I know it's, it's super off topic, but since you mentioned it, how do you feel about Iron Man two? I like it. Because I, I, I keep hearing a bunch of people being like, it's the worst Marvel movie. I'm like, yeah. I remember really digging it. I've heard more more people say that uh, Iron Man 3 was the worst. Well, because I definitely feel that way. Even though, even though I've never yeah. watched Iron Man 3, it's like it's the only Marvel movie where I have zero desire to watch. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I got to watch it before I like start saying anything. But we uh, we have the inf- the. Uh Introduction of infant infant nest. I think it's infras. What's that? I think it's infras. Are you sure? I I believe so. I can load up Galaxy Heroes. I got I got them unlocked. You're gonna fucking make me look at IMDb, aren't you? I mean, we'll probably load faster than my copy of Galaxy of Heroes will. <laughs> I remember. Uh, God, I I know this is the one thing that sucks about doing the Star Wars movies is like I can't not talk about Galaxy Heroes even if I don't really play it anymore. But uh, Nest was always like horribly overpowered. Uh, Infus Nest. Okay, so all I did was I added an R, but you yeah. called them Infant Nest. It's fine. So yeah, which is a terrifying uh, image, right? Like I I don't want to think about a nest of infants. <laughs> Uh, and the, uh, are they, what are they? Cloud riders? I think mm-hmm. is what they're called. Yes, I think so. They're a group. I think should, should never do a film podcast and have a lot of, I thinks. No, nah, it's fine. Cause like we're, we're dealing with, uh, to some extent, like, I don't remember if they, well, I guess they are like called by name during the movie, but it's so different when you don't have subtitles. Were you, um, how do you feel about the fact that his crew like lasts about 10 minutes? Um, take you by surprise. I don't know if it necessarily took me by surprise. Cause I definitely read like a mass effect suicide mission. Um, oh, okay. But I also, I don't mind that that is what happens. Right. Um, right. I feel like we see enough of them to see like what the galaxy could be like, but they don't overstay their welcome. Okay. So less is more. Yeah. Like you get this idea of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I've got to, I've got to like, uh, old West outlaw gang, but I don't need it sure. to be a movie about an old West outlaw gang. All right. That makes sense. Um, I like this, uh, shield thing that she's yes, got going that's on. What I was going to mention was like this blade that like fans out into a shield and is also like an electro knife. Yeah. Uh, which we don't really see again until like episode <laughs> eight. Right. I like that where he just goes flying overhead. <laughs> she was like, the hell? <laughs> How do you feel about uh, Ness outfit uh, or costume design? I like it. It feels. Um, it feels a little. Uh, Mad Max. Yes. OK, yeah, I can definitely agree to with me. that. I could definitely see them as a like Lord Humongous type. Right. Uh, or like, here's the thing is it definitely feels like they hit the, the idea of like Nest could easily be a, a Boba Fett level character. 
Uh, yes. As opposed to like what they did with Phasma, where Phasma was kind of just kind of like, well, they're there. Like Nest immediately like shows up, has a unique design, is a badass, right? Like, right. You hit all these like notes that uh, I really wish had been hit better in some of the sequel content. Yeah. But then, and I always wish that like Phasma played a bigger role in things. That was a severely under like mishandled character. Yeah, especially for like getting who they did at like such a moment. It's yeah. like Gwen and Chrissy had been doing some pretty like had had been picking up a lot of steam with uh Game of Thrones and everything. Oh yeah, she's amazing. I can't think of anything else that I've seen her in though. I don't know, yeah, me either. I love like expanded canon stuff on phasma yeah um yeah there's a book um that i don't remember who wrote the book but there's a uh uh, she has her own book and uh there's a lot of stuff in the the comics with her she's pretty badass it really bums me out you don't get that in the movies yeah um how do you feel about the music during the scene i like the i like the music in general for this to be honest with you um i'll I'll say at least this scene, it feels very, um, it definitely feels very Star Wars, but it almost feels like it's like Star Wars by the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few bits in here that I feel like is a little bit of mix of like, uh, uh, like Star Wars, a little bit of Indiana Jones sometimes. Um, you know, definitely that brassy, you know, John Williams style music. Yes. This is uh this is classic Han. You know, this is you know, this is when we're introduced to him in uh episode four in the Cantina. Like Jabba wants him because he's dumped his cargo. Yeah. You know, and this is kind of that thing where he's like, I'm not afraid to dump the cargo if it means that we're gonna get out of this. Exactly. Um the explosion is cool. <laughs> yes, I love it. It is on the level of like uh those sonic charges or whatever. Yep. I mean it wipes out a mountain. <laughs> That, like, implosion back into itself is so fucking cool. It also, like, sets the stakes for, um, you know, what would happen if it overheats, if the raw coaxium overheats in the Falcon later on. Yes. Yeah, where it's like... This is something that bothers me a little bit with the... Okay, interesting. So I was initially going to complain that I didn't feel like Beckett mourned enough Mm -hmm. for his compatriots. Like, he's kind of bummed, and then he punches Han... And then kind of immediately goes into like, now I have to deal with Dryden. Yeah. You know what I mean? But looking at that now, I hadn't noticed before, he's kneeling before two makeshift graves. Yeah. So clearly like a little bit of time has passed. Exactly. Yeah. And and I guess if you like, um, you know, I've only seen this a couple of times since I watched it. I didn't catch that before. I kind of thought it moved right into it. And he, you know, in this sense, you know, he's had some time you know, to kind of process it. And, and the thing with Beckett is, is Beckett's very much, he's very much a, you know, a, a, a smuggler, a, a pirate. He's a, you know, he keeps saying like survival's first. And he's very, you know, he's like, okay, like I've lost a ton of crew. I'd lost my, you know, loved one or whatever, but, uh, Dryden Voss is just around the corner and he's going to kill my ass if I don't figure something out. Yeah, like he's very like, quick to, to go into survival mode. I've got bigger So problems. actually that doesn't bother me as much as it did before. Yeah. Yeah, it it kind of becomes a thing of like, okay, well, look, I've done some morning now. I can do my morning later, but right now I got to make sure I get up like to tomorrow. Yeah. 
somehow. Yeah, and here's an interesting level of um, of Beckett too, because Beckett initially tells him go away. Yeah, like you don't want any piece of this. You don't want to get involved in in Voss, and you know, because he knows, you know, the Crimson Dawn and what they're about, and probably who ro- who uh, runs them. Right. And I like you know that he's kind of like he's this he's this character that would you know would absolutely shoot Han in a half second. Yes. If it meant saving himself, but he also like has a soft soft spot for the guy too. Yeah. Which I kind of like. I mean, like when it comes down to it, the he probably recognized like okay, well Han's quick on his feet, right? Like he's got some potential. I could groom this guy into being a really valuable asset. Yeah. Especially considering how I've got to build my crew from new again. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Like, listen, kid, you don't want in this. You're a good guy. But when he says, no, I'm going, he's not going to fight it either because he's like, okay, well, I need. <laughs> yeah. I need guns at my side, too. Besides, so let's say, let's I really it like uh, Dryden Voss's yacht, too, by the way. Yes. Yeah, it's a really neat sort of design to it. That is the thing is I, um, I definitely I have to appreciate all the new designs that we get throughout this uh this movie like between yep. uh Voss's yacht we had that uh oh that cargo ship that they were just in like there's some really yeah. neat um additions to uh I guess ship cannon exactly um I believe this is called the um the first light I think is what the yacht's called okay. And I like that it's kind of like his mobile base. It's like, you know, it's like his, you know, his mobster's mansion that can just fly around wherever. It's like something out of uh, GTA. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, right there, it's got the Crimson Dawn logo. I love this for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. I like the. I like this so much better than the. Um, the thing in Return of the Jedi. Right. <laughs> I don't remember their I don't, names. I don't mind it. It's, out it's of like a, Sly something or Sly Siegel. Sly Snoodles or Snoodles, something like that. Yeah, that's what it is. It's gotta be Snoodles. Um I, I like the little uh creature in a jar. That's mm-hmm. a really cool Actually, here's the other thing is I like how this really expands uh, alien canon as well, right? Where it's like, yep. okay, we've got all these different species, which is what I'd really wanted out of um Coruscant when we'd been on there previously right to see all these other species and we didn't really get it we got like six repeating and then this in this one it's like oh no there's there's a whole like world or universe out there right including the decraniated yeah which you're about to see here which decrane uh it's a lobotomized android slaves yeah who are a freak experiment from uh doctor I believe it's Evazon who's the guy from the uh Mos Eisley Cantina mm-hmm. um uh, you know, we're wanted men. Right. Okay. You yeah. That guy knows you see him in rogue one for a brief second. Yeah. Like he's created those. Okay. They were supposed to be, I think um, they were supposed to be in rogue one, I think. Yeah. And didn't make that's it. That's one of those characters. That's like, given how much extra stuff there is to that character at this point, I'm, I'm surprised that they haven't expanded on them more in, um, in yeah. film. I don't know how you would necessarily do it. Uh, coherently but i mean it'd be i would i would love to see a um an almost like police like detective story set in the star wars universe yeah or well now with disney plus depending on how uh 
She looks amazing there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was waiting for the dog. <laughs> You're okay. Um, I didn't notice at first that she's wearing the Crimson Dawn. Yeah. Uh, thing as part of her dress. Yes. The logo. Yeah, it's like a clasp or whatever. I do like too how there is from um, immediately like from this point there's an incredibly marked difference from her character from when you saw her on Krillia. Oh, exactly. Yeah, she's she's you like know, you, aged and gone through some shit. Yeah, and it's only been I think three years, but it's like okay, something's happened that you know. Yeah, I think everybody's like done a lot of growing since then. We actually, I think we yep. it almost feels like we see more growth between these characters than we did through between episode two and three. Uh, yeah between those characters and it's like a whole like chunk of war had passed during that time. Yeah. I like that. There's like kind of a weightiness to it. Yeah. You like these, uh, eyes wide shut, like masks that are going on in the background. (laughs) That's right. Kubrick guest directed this stuff from the grave. (laughs) I, I love these. What are these oysters or some shit? Yeah. How do you feel about, uh, Again, very off topic, I guess. How do you feel about the Kubrick account being used to like promote Dr. Sleep? I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I guess he's verified on Twitter or some shit and they used it to uh, promote Dr. Sleep. Now, this could have been a doctored thing. I didn't look further into it. It was like a brief moment no. like, this is kind of fucked. No, I'll have to look into that. It's especially I don't like, it. like, from my understanding, it's like only really tangentially related to the Shining movie and it's supposed to be way closer to like book canon yeah well the book is um based off i mean it's supposed to be based off of the book which the b- book is based off of the shining book but yeah. apparently he did weave in some stuff from the kubrick film okay i'm, I'm I like this really curious about how that will turn out <laughs> <laughs> it's like ah oh, shit things are getting complicated yeah yeah it's definitely um uh Good. No, I was just gonna say I really like Paul Bettany. Yes, and uh, I don't mind him in this movie. He kind of seems like a generic gangster villain, though. Right. You know, nothing like super complex about him. Um, I don't remember there was another actor, and I can't remember what his name was that they had for him. Um, that played this part, but when they had to go into reshoots, they actually had to tag four more months onto their original contract. Mm-hmm. And the guy that played Dryden Voss originally couldn't make that, so they recasted him. Oh, could you imagine that, right? Like, oh, shit, well, I got to do four months of reshoots for this Star Wars movie. Well, I just can't make it. Well, it was like one of those things that, you know, the the cast talked about, too, was like we were supposed to be done in, like, July, and then, like, then they tacked on to August, and then, you know, suddenly we were with a different director, and we've got another, like, three months tagged onto it. Yeah. Yeah, that is the thing. So I guess we can break into that real quick. Uh, just how uh, completely demolished the development got. Do we want to cover that now or we want to cover it at, after the sequence? Uh, let's do it after um, after this office thing because I wanted to point out some uh, some Easter eggs real quick. Okay. Um, in the background, there's uh, some Mandalorian armor, um, which I think is red, which is the... Um, See it there in the background? Yes. Um, it could be the Death Watch. 
armor from uh, the Clone Wars, which were uh, Mandalorian. Um, there's a Sith holocron right behind. You see that triangle? Yeah, I saw that. In the right-hand corner, that's a Sith, Sith holocron that obviously Maul gave him. Um, but the Death Watch were um, uh, Mandalorians that protected, that were like uh, Maul's personal guard. There's um, a lot of cuts happening. Yes, that's why I was trying to. Okay, right off to the left side there, on that table from mm-hmm. Beckett. If if they, you can see the idol from uh, Raiders of Lost Ark. Yes, right off of his shoulder. So much shit going on at once. Well, and that's the thing is, it's so hard <laughs> to point something out because they're like cutting between each character like yeah. every second. Yeah, I like it because it adds uh it adds an element to um it's- to Voss. He's a, a little bit kind of like. Um, Grand Admiral Thrawn in the sense that he, you know, collects all this stuff from these. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've always been know. curious on what that looks like. Um, like what's, yeah. what, uh, collectors and art collectors and, uh, artifact collectors look like in the Star Wars universe. I mean, cause it's like each of these planets and civilizations have got like thousands of years of like culture to them, right. which would mean like there's gotta be just so much out there that people are, are collecting and gathering and it'd be right. fascinating to be able to like look at one of those. I like this bit where it's like, this is also, I feel like it's classic Han where like his mouth just starts going yeah, and he's, he's like, my mouth is going to run and my body and everybody else is going to catch up to it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say whatever's on my mind and, um, I will, I will try and trek back to it as best yeah, I can. Yeah. It's like that line in, uh, um, force awakens. Like I talk myself, like I'll talk my way out of this. Mm-hmm. Like I do every time. I wonder what that thing in the jar back there is. The, it's like, um, see if it cuts back to, to that angle on Voss, uh, where there's like some creature that's like suspended in glass. Right. Uh, um, also rocking another half cape. A lot of half capes in this one. Yep. Here's the thing is that he really does nail a lot of these mannerisms um, and doesn't look too dissimilar to how like a young Han probably would look. I was going to ask you how he, how you felt about that. Um, there are definitely, you know, the thing is, is I don't need somebody who can mimic Harrison Ford, which was kind of what they were pushing for, right. according to some reports at some point. You know, some of the bad press that started going around getting fanboys nervous was the fact that they hired an uh, an acting coach. Yeah, I think you and I had discussed that like before where through. it's like you would almost want an acting coach, though, because an acting coach would be able to pick up on those small things that, like, help sell that character. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and apparently they were really wanting him to mimic Harrison Ford and he wasn't doing it. So they brought in an acting coach, which actually, I guess, did a lot of good because they said he was he wasn't super confident in his confidence, like increased and they said he had a bit more of that swagger and you know it kind of made it a bit more his own yeah you know where i was kind of like i don't need somebody to like impersonate harrison ford i just need somebody to have his yeah i just i want those like little little ticks here and there yeah which i think he picks up yeah you know it's tough because there in some ways i don't see han solo and then there are certain points uh where he does something or says something and i'm like yeah i can see Han Solo, not Harrison Ford, but I can see Han Solo in this. How do you feel about the uh, introduction of Lando? Um, 
do you want the introduction to actual Lando? Because I, I really feel like, for me, this whole scene is just about that battle bots. I love those battle bots. <laughs> like, I like seeing what looks to be, like, battling gonk droids. Um, Lando yeah. as, a, as a cheat, I kind of like. Um, it's yeah. not necessarily outside the character, I think. Yeah, I... He is definitely, and I. This is almost universal. I think to me, he is like the shining spot of this movie. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I wouldn't say that he's nece- again necessarily mimicking Billy D. Yeah. But he has like so many mannerisms of Lando that I absolutely yeah. believe that this is Lando as a as a young dude. See, and that's really, I think, at the end of the day, what any of us want out of something like this, right? Is like not necessarily that uh, you're doing an impersonation of the actor, but that you're picking up on the mannerisms to make me believe that this is a character still exactly oh, i like that little insect thing with the like uh two like proboscis type deals i guess it's not really a proboscis but the feelers on his mouth that's fucking nuts looking uh, i like how he immediately starts conning him this is uh this sabak right mm-hmm. it's like no sabak sabak and and then this is establishes a thing too where like um This whole thing, you know, because everybody always says, like, Billy D pronounced it Han. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this establishes that where it's like he's just dicking with him. Yeah. Like, he knows his name is Han, but he keeps calling him Han. And I, I like that, that that's kind of those little things, those retcon kind of things that I like. Yeah. That are just really subtle that don't change a whole lot of things. You're just like, ah, this is a thing that's just been going on for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I was just like, I just found just this little thing that gets under your skin just a little bit. But you and I both know, like, no, no, uh, no hate meant by it. The VCX 100 is, um, is the ship that, um, um, is the, the model of ship that the ghost from rebels is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Lando loves them. (laughs) Lando is always trying to get his hands on the ghost. I was going to ask if he pops up in, uh, in rebels at all. I would, I would assume that he probably would. Voiced by Billy D. Williams. Right. You know, now that you say that, I remember reading that somewhere. I like this uh, monster. I don't want to say monster. That's that's really uh, judgmental. This uh, creature that's got like the uh, fishbowl on the front. Um, that is Argus Six Eyes Penox, I believe. Okay. And uh, I don't remember the other guy's name is one of them is uh, Therm Scissor Punch. Well, that's a dope name. So, uh, yeah, George is very happy somewhere. I mean, I would hang out with a uh, with a scissor punch, I'm sure. <laughs> How do you feel about just some of the, the like slapsticky bits here? I feel like they're effective. You know, they they aren't um, they're not. It's like that Star Wars level of cheese. Yeah, I I almost feel like that's what I would want out of a gambling scene in Star Wars. I don't necessarily want Casino Royale. Yeah, you know, this is where, like, you know, with the cheese and stuff, it's somewhere that could go very, you know, very wrong. I, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, but we can talk a little bit about the issue of the film. Yeah, you know, they hired uh, two directors, uh, Chris Lord and something Miller. I always just call him Lord Miller, um, who were like comedy directors, basically, um, and 
they came in and shot like they were within weeks of being done. And apparently Lawrence Kasdan like saw what was going on and like pulled Kathleen Kennedy in and they looked at dailies and stuff and flipped this fuck out and like fired them like immediately. And apparently they were shooting it as a comedy. Pretty much. They were shooting like 25. I read somewhere from 20 to 50 takes of something and it was like 90% improv. Right. Um, you know, off script and like, you don't not shoot Lawrence Kasdan's script. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those things where <laughs> like if you have Lawrence Kasdan writing a script, you shoot exactly. it. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's some writers who manage to like, they craft a script so well. That's like to not go along with it at least as best you can would almost be an insult. Right. Yeah. So, um, anyway, they, um, they looked at the dailies and it was not anything like they wanted. So they let them go and they hired, um, Ron Howard, um, very soon afterwards. And he went through and reshot. I think, uh, I think I've read as much as 70% of the movie and some of the stuff they actually just shot like directly over again, same shot, same dialect and everything because, um, they wanted to get, I had heard they wanted to get him as close to 70% so he could get sole director credit. Right. Which Lord Miller didn't fight him on. They just took the, the executive, uh, producer credits but um it uh you know apparently it was very silly yeah and uh you know that was part of the some of the issues with um alden ehrenreich who played solo was a very like very new actor right and um you know he was in the middle of star wars suddenly he was playing san solo and you had these guys that weren't following a script they were having you make up everything and you know that's why i don't like give a lot of like complaints about the whole acting coach thing is like nobody quite knew what was going well, yeah, on. I would almost, I would rather have a, um, a solid director and an acting coach and all these things to help to prevent a, like a Jake Lloyd thing. Right. Here we go. Ready. Or a sing is, oh, uh, you see Singh. her in, uh, you know who she is then? Yeah. Um, she's a bounty hunter. Yeah. She was in uh, star Wars episode one. Yes. Um, on one of the guardrails watching uh, watching the pod race. She was also um, one of Boba Fett's mentors. It was kind of like his adopted mom in Clone Wars. Okay. It's kind of awesome that he's just like, you called Kildoro Singh. He's like, eh, I pushed her. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's just so subtle. And it's one of those things too where if you haven't watched Clone Wars, you don't know any of the expanded canon. It means nothing. Right. You know, but it doesn't bother you. But then again, people who do know some of that expanded canon are like giddy over it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in a similar way to like a lot of the how Marvel manages to pepper in some stuff, right? Like uh, there's the right. stuff with like Adam Warlock and everything. That's like n- nobody who except like comic nerds are going to really get that. Right. Uh, and this is uh, Clint Howard, Ron Howard's brother, who's in like every movie he ever does. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about L3? Oh, I love L3, but I love all I I love all robots. L337, who is like a, a play on Leap Speed. Yeah. Yeah, um I I th- I'm sure I said it before, but the robots get almost all my love in any of these movies. Like <laughs> yeah, Han's great, but he's got nothing on R2. Yeah, um Poe Dameron's cool, but BB8's the shit. Uh, she just mentioned Black Spire, which I think is a reference to Black Spire Outpost, which is um, Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars land. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that is uh, Black Spire Outpost. Okay. So that's kind of just like a nice little nod. That'd be really cool to go to. This is also one of those things like um, you, we had mentioned before because I had, I had mentioned in the prequels that R4 was supposed to be a feminine bot. Right. And this one seems a little more like purposeful, right? There's yeah. like a little more hip movement, a little more hip sway. Uh, the voice like, is at a higher pitch. Yeah, it's definitely a feminine voice, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, you know, I, I also like the uh, I like the idea and it's expanded in um, there was a novel that came out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, that took place during this time, and then like later on between Han and Lam- Han and Lando, where you know you learn that Lando's pretty much pansexual and actually had a relationship with the robot. Yeah, which I've always the stood droid. by. Is like Jesus Christ, the droid. I've always stood by is should be the default position in most of these ex- like uh, intergalactic, I guess, uh, sci-fi settings, yeah. right? Where there's there's multiple uh, species and everything. It's like. Well, considering how, like, another species isn't going to have the same concept of gender as we do, it doesn't make right. any sense to discriminate based off of. It just always felt like it should be the default starting point. Right. And then you can work from there. I I like um, how the music kind of kicked in the Star Wars theme. Yeah. Very subtly when it uh, pops around. And I also like how, like, Lando's always playing something, right? Yeah. He's always playing a game. And in this sense, he's like, you may not have a ship, but I'll take a little bit less of a cut and you're going to get my ship out of here that I couldn't afford to get out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always like, he's like, I don't like it. But at the same point, he's like, yeah, this works. This gets me the hell out of here. Exactly. Yeah. It just, it plays, um, to his character in, uh, in episode five, and it, it kind of helps, like, redeem that character a little bit, whereas in episode five, it almost seems like he's just some, like, useless uh, bureaucrat when instead it's like, well, no, he probably, like, thought he had a hand up on this thing. Well, and it's also one of those things, too. Um, he mentions, like, during the game, I think, I missed it, that he, like, owned a moon, like, he won a moon, mm-hmm. which is actually an EU novel that he he owns this moon and is, like, trying to get it like under control and get the conditions better, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, he, he kind of makes this comment at one point about the mining conditions in in Kessel. And I think with, uh, you know, with Bespin, I think, you know, he intentionally, you know, he, with his intention was to get it and make it a profitable place, but make it a good place for everybody there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he always struck me as a guy who, uh, took care of his workers. Yeah. Even if those workers are, you know, Ugnots. The only real mention of uh, Han's family is dad, who I believe was, uh, uh, I believe he helped build the YT freighters. Oh, really? Which uh, kind of gives him a little bit of a connection to the ship already. But I, <clears throat> I really like how the Falcon looks here. Yes. It's got the blue, you know, light to it. Everything's super clean. You know, Lando added all of the, you know, all the extras to it, all the frills. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's and a, then, you, you know, Han gets a hold of it, and it's like, nope. Yeah, it starts out as, like, this luxury freighter. Right. And then just, like, over the years and through just shoddy uh, ownership, well, just, um... <laughs> over over the course of about two hours. Yeah. Because he wrecks shop in that thing. It's one of those things <laughs> that was, like, probably just built to be, like, well, it'll be pretty to look at, but... 
I like this bit where he's like, you know, buckle up, baby. It's like, yeah, that sounded like that totally sounded like. Lando. Yeah. Um, did you ever get to his like, segments in uh, Battlefront 2? What about did it? Did you ever get to Lando's uh, segments in Battlefront 2? No. Okay. Uh, in a similar way, he's played really well. I love this, like, callback to yep. the hollow table. I was, which I believe John Knoll, like, went into, like, a garage or something and recreated it. I was always curious how uh, the rules of that game were supposed to work. Yeah. This whole thing is a lesson to be learned. I like how he looks at Han when he says that. You know, you got to think a few steps ahead, you know? Yeah. Yeah, just hoping to impart that knowledge. But, of course, it's also a thing of, like, I've only, I can only let you know so much. Otherwise, right. you'll just surpass me, and then I'll be the one getting fucked. I need to keep you in a position right. where, like, if I need to, I can dump you at any time. Yep. I love, I love the Falcon set. Yes. There's, there'll be some shots coming up when they're getting ready to escape Kessel where it's like one shots where they're running down like hallways to a bit and then down into the cockpit. And it's like, this is very much like a full size, you know, real set. Yes. I love that so much. Yeah. I, um, I loved all those like, uh, behind the scenes, um, bits with, uh, Lando, like showing yeah. off the ship and all the various compartments and <laughs> his, his closet full of exactly. Capes. Uh, yeah, I missed the bit. I was going to tell you earlier, there's a bit where Lando uh, mentions Felucia. Okay. Yeah, I just, I love Felucia just because it's like this, this wonderful, like, display of all this alien, like, flora and fauna, and it's just yeah. so cool. Yeah, it's supposed to be a cool uh, level, except uh, it's pretty hazy. Yeah. Yeah, I almost feel like someone might have told you that. Hmm. I don't know who that would be, though. Some loser, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I actually don't mind this there is uh, a, reuniting bit. I never noticed this before, but there is a little bit of uh, Han and Leia's theme in yeah. there. Yeah, just a bit. Like altered a little bit. I never noticed that before. Uh, just seeing these sets, like where Han's like sitting there, you know, talking about the force being a hokey religion or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you get a, an actual like sense of place. Yeah, yeah, I uh, it just gives me gives me warm because that is the thing, right? Is it's like it feels like a real set, and it feels like um, like everything actually has a purpose and a location. You know, you can make sense. You could almost right. like through these camera shots, like you can map out kind of um, the layout of the of the thing. It feels more real right. than like watching some of the prequel stuff where all of it was green screen. And so it's like, you could just have these, uh, completely absurd geometries going on. Yeah. I think that was like one of the best decisions they made that Lucasfilm post Disney Lucasfilm made was deciding to use costumes and sets and models. Again. Yeah. Cause from my understanding, there's a lot of model work in three. And I think that's probably part mm -hmm. of what helps make three feel so much more grounded. Uh, yeah. And just like, Know, well, solid. but even then, like 90% of the sets were green. Yeah. You know, except for part, you know, the only stuff that they would build would be stuff that they had to stand on or touch, you know, and that would just be uh, a shape with green on yeah. it. Yeah. 
you know, where here it's like, no, you're standing in the Falcon. I, I honestly, I love this bit here coming in. The Kessel yeah. Run, or the, you know, going into Kessel. I do too. Yeah, like having this like giant like lightning storm going on with all these clouds. It's just like such a beautiful shot. And then we'll get even more like just amazing shots later on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I love it. I, I didn't need it though. No, like I didn't need an actual explanation of it as the Kessel run. I would have, I would have accepted if it was another planet and this was just the unique geometry of it. Right. Yeah. I I didn't really need to see the Kessel run right now. That could have been for a sequel that won't come now. Do you remember when everybody was speculating that the Kessel run was going to be the end of the movie? Yeah. I just feel like, it was a race to see how many things they could stuff in. Yeah. It was almost like a, it was almost like a thing of just like, Hey guys, before we lose your attention, here's this other cool thing that you like. Yeah. Let's, let's fill in all these spaces. And I, I guess that probably a part of that. He does. He says he did this, the Kessel run. So let's put the Kessel run. Yeah. And I feel like almost a part of that is just part of that. Like, uh, nobody was really asking for a thing, you know? And it's like, well, we got to justify it somehow. So we'll justify it by just, frequent uh explanations for the future yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love that look that was cool yeah so you know that's one of the things that did get retconned was the idea that um you know the speed of a ship isn't how fast it's traveling but how it can navigate how how um tight it can make yeah, its that turns is, it's got its the jumps. um it has the best navigational computer right and which is actually l3 yeah. but you know that's what you know I, I did this run faster it's because i could make the turns tighter yeah. or you know the jumps i could make yeah. them you know I, I knew how to how to, to like milk you know, every last bit out of the ship that other pilots might not be able to figure out exactly and you know, that kind of gets played here. You know, they just did like a mini jump through an area that they, it was safe. And then, you know, they fly to somewhere else. They do another jump. Uh, you know, I just, I don't I just didn't need to see Kessel. No, it's fine. You know, like I said, I would have totally accepted it being some other planet. Um, right. That they have to visit. I didn't necessarily need it because what I love Kira's outfit here. I was I was absolutely just going to say I love how she looks in this. And I love that um, Beckett has Lando's costume from mm-hmm. uh, Return of the Jedi. I remember when this trailer came out, there's that shot of her walking down the plank and everybody was screaming that, oh, is this when she turns? Is she evil there? I could I could almost see that just based off the black and the red. Yeah. You know, people were like, is she like an imperial person that? You know, that knows him. Do you remember, though, when everybody was like, oh, and uh, Ursa's going to go bad because they've got that scene with them in the in the Stormtrooper outfit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Which is part of why I'm like, I don't have any joy in fan speculation just because it all winds up being like. It might have been one. Th- I don't mind it. I find it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I can see where other people but- find it fun. I just I don't. <laughs> clipped and tagged uh so how does you know you really like l does l3 get grading to you oh no at not all? at all for me like the way she talks and everything doesn't nope. uh i have no qualms to me l3. she gets a little she like um she like grazes 
like uh like um modern a little bit like at one point she's like whoa and like they should follow these guys and i'm like i guess it's like a an attitude thing but i don't know yeah i mean i can almost see that because like there there is some um oh casualness that's never really expressed in star wars but i don't mind it i mean i like i said i i can almost never fault a droid the thing that i do like about it though is it brings new meaning in Empire Strikes Back, when 3PO says, you know, your ship communicates with such a strange dialect. Yeah. And it's like, that's because you're talking to L3. Yeah, I remember reading that afterwards because I'd forgotten that line. And uh, it definitely added, like, just that little extra bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I also, like, having L3 and having L3 be this, like, extremely sentient... Uh, robot um def the whole like droids rights yeah it definitely thing. it definitely does bring up that question of droids rights that i felt for a long time where it was just like super unchill to be using <laughs> them as a as this like labor force the way that they do especially because again it, like it brings up that question of like oh memory wipes are a, a little fucked yeah i love that bit that uh should we just rip the arms out of some mm-hmm. dude? Yeah, that's a fun call. And he was almost back, like, oops. Is it really a call back if we're really calling forward? Yeah, call forwards. And here we go. Here's a great mention. <laughs> Terrace Kasi. So what's that? What's that? Terrace Kasi is like the martial arts that was in the, uh, uh, the role-playing game basically to, is somebody who could uh, go up against force users, like a martial arts person that could uh, go up against Jedi. So basically a monk to and fight monks. there was also monks. a really bad, really bad game based off of it too. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember Masters of Terracotta. Terra- Not Kasi. at all. I think we've played it before. Have we really? Mm, like a long time ago. I don't remember this at all. But uh, one of the best practitioners of Terracotta is, is Maul. Interesting. That is, I guess, another one of those, like, EU things that just, like, you wouldn't pick up on unless you'd really consumed all of it. Yeah. It's interesting how it encourages that, right, with this, where um, it definitely feels like this era of Star Wars stuff is so much more built on the idea of, like, go out, read all the comics you can, watch all the cartoons yeah. you can, so you can pick up on these little bits and pieces. Yeah, especially in this one, you know, because when you say that, like, you know, you need to go like you need to go watch Clone Wars so you can, you know, find that kind of stuff out. Yeah. You know, more so with this because it deals with the criminal organizations and Maul himself. Yeah. You know, which is um, uh, really big Clone Wars arcs about how uh, Maul basically gets these criminal organizations together to create it like a super one. Uh, I think it was called like the Shadow Syndicate or something basically to rival Palpatine. Yeah, which is a very, um, like, Bane move. From my understanding, like, uh, yeah. Darth Bane, like, worked really hard to, like, fund all these criminal organizations to just, like, sow dissent and trouble throughout the Empire. Yeah. Yeah, he was, it was basically his Empire, revenge against Palpatine. And, yeah. You know. Um, I, I do like this bit because you do kind of get the, you know the the idea of the Wookiee 
Yeah. You know, freeing Wookiees in this. It's not, you know, it's not Kashyyyk. Yeah. But at least it's, you know, plays with that a little bit. Yeah. I would have liked to see uh, Han maybe stick around and help out a little bit, you know? Yeah. Uh, just so it doesn't feel so one-sided. Yeah. Uh, Chewie's rolling things. That's true. But, um, it's not terrible. Yeah, you would have thought, I mean, I guess you're in a time crunch, but you would have thought he would have, like, helped real quick and then went and did it, maybe. Yeah, and besides, like, it never hurts to see Chewie just, like, wreck shop. We yep. don't really ever get to see that throughout the original trilogy or anything. Um, I have to wonder if maybe part of that might be, like, due to costume design. Like, I wonder if uh, things have changed uh, in how we design it to allow for more, like, flexibility and movement. Yeah. Because I feel like the old uh, Chewie costume was probably, like, fairly heavy and cumbersome well it also fits that theme where he's not been fed well he's been in captivity yeah you know he's a little like he's a little smaller a little more he's, a little he's supposed more to be lanky. like a bit of a runt anyway but yeah um you know it kind of goes with that he's a little a little weaker chewy yeah um before you see him next time when he's like 95 feet tall and 15 feet wide. Yeah, full on chunk. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> Chewie's a, at that point about as uh, big of a chunk as my cat. <laughs> Poor cat. Uh, I mean, I love her, but she's got to lay off the cheese. <laughs> I was I was sitting here the other week, right? And I'm, I'm like chowing down on like some. uh I don't know, I got like a deli meats pack thing from uh, Safeway. That was like uh, some uh, salami and pepperoni and some provolone. And uh, she would go Sounds delicious. nuts for the provolone. Like I would tear off a little bit of a, a little like chunk and I'd stand on the ground. She'd walk up and like immediately just chow it down on the thing. Good she Lord. probably ate two full slices of it herself. This is another like shout out to... Uh... To the EU, because, uh, you know, uh, Lando was writing these books or doing these journals mm-hmm. about himself. I mean, I would definitely read, like, a book by Lando, I think. Well, maybe. Or do you feel like it would be one of those, like, really shitty, just, like, full themselves books that, like, nobody really likes? Oh, it, would, it would definitely be, like, uh, from from the... be, like, one of those those cheesy, like romance novels i feel like or they're or pulpy like western novels yeah i was like because this was not a good plan no oh because it almost feels like it would be like a, a book almost by a guy who's just like <laughs> i just want to be known for writing a book uh, i love seeing the wookies fight back and this guy don't oh, oh man your head is inside your chest He's cavity. Dead. that's a mortal combat fatality See what that thing is that that just makes me wish that this took place on Kashyyyk even more. Yeah. Just see full on like I want to see the Wookiees go full uh Ewok. I guess we technically saw that before. <laughs> I like that bit. How do you feel about the length of this sequence? It's a little long. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. Uh, but, I mean, it's supposed to be like, I mean, this is the mission, right? Yeah, which is fair. The, this is like the mission of, like, you know, this is what, you know, the, basically the adventure is based off of, per se. I like this bit. 
I like any like dual wielding pistol people. Yeah. I'm a sucker. I love for this it. too. Yeah, he's he's just got that stance as well. Yeah, I, I like like again, like the, the blaster bolts feel visceral. Yeah. Like there's a hit to that. Yeah, that's definitely one of those things that has improved with the sequels where it's like uh, a lot of these weapons feel like they've got an actual weight. Um, yep. The bolts feel like they actually do something. The lightsaber battles feel like they are, uh, even even though the blades themselves aren't heavy, you know, it feels like there's like yeah. they're actually hitting and that there's like force behind them. I like, um, for the most part, how the directions. Mm-hmm. There's a good, n- nice focus shot on those hidden. Uh, yeah, the compartments. compartments. Um, I like how the direction of the bolts makes sense. Yes. That's one of the things that always killed me, like, especially in, in like, uh, A New Hope. Right. Like, there would be a shootout, like, in the uh, Tantive Four, and, like, bolts would be going, like, in five different directions. Yeah. Like, across the screen, and it's like, that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, like, they didn't really know how to animate it. Where here, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just so much better. Yeah. I, I gotta admit, in theater, I was so broken up over this. Were you? Yeah. Again, I, I love my droids too much. I actually, I, I remember saying, I think to Frankie, when I, when the trailer had come out, this might've actually even, even been when, uh, cause it came out during our, uh, during one of our film guild, like oh, newscasts. Oh, was it? Or were we live? We were on Twitch. Um, I don't think we were on Twitch. Yeah, because we watched it on Twitch, but I think we were doing a live recording of the Film Guild. Yeah, that that, that on, makes sense. On Twitch. Because um, we, because uh, I ended up, I remember like uh, uh, playing the, uh, I was worried we were going to get in trouble for playing it on, playing the actual uh, trailer on Twitch. Yeah, and I wonder, was it like maybe during when we were doing Infinity War? And like at the very mm-hmm. end after like recording for forever, like a thing had come out? Maybe. But. Um, oh my God. Khaleesi. Right. Look, man, this this was our this was our warning way ahead of time. She's like Jakaris, bitches. But um, look at this. I love this shot. You follow him from the ramp into the main area and then around. Yeah. Uh. Crap. So I I remember uh saying like during the trailer when L three had popped up, I'm like, well, look, my heart doesn't have the space for another droid. You guys can't stop throwing <laughs> these in. Uh, I don't know if I have mentioned yet about just how much it makes me happy to see switches. And uh, I love those bits where they're just, he's just like flipping switches and pushing buttons. It's like way more like actual action you get than typical in these movies, you know, and the OT, you know, they're just sitting there. You don't actually see like the piloting controls and all that kind of jazz. Yeah. Well, or, I like how they've really built that. Yeah. Up. You'll see a little bit of like them fiddling with something for sure. But, yeah. um, Right. It's, it's never like on the action and there's never a sense of like what that might be doing. Maybe. Right. Yeah. I definitely feel like you like you're right there in the cockpit while they're, you know, you feel a little bit more involved when they're cranking on those, you know, and that kind of started with force awakens where you could see Ray really, really cranking on the, you know, on the joysticks or the levers or whatever. Yeah. Um, I got to admit though, the, the YT was always my least favorite ship to walk around in, in, uh, galaxies. True story. Cause to get to anything, it was such a pain. Yeah. 
Actually, Lando's yacht was my favorite ship, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was like uh, if you got the collector's edition or something when the Jump to Lightspeed expansion came out, you got Lando's yacht. I wonder if that's available to everybody on the, uh, in the emulation servers. It is. I really should have uh, one of the and the, one of those. Oh my god, I love this yeah, shot. Yeah, this shot is like one of my favorite things. Just that thing coming out of the clouds is is amazing. Yeah, I remember when this uh, when this shot had popped up in the trailer. That was the moment of like, oh shit. Yeah. These are the. Uh, Regular ties and like I think they're called tie heavies. Okay. Where they've got like blaster pods on the side. It's a great shot, and that was one of the things too that um, some of the unnamed actors or unnamed sources had said was like Lord and Miller were not worried about how things looked. Right. You know, it was you know let's get these crazy performances and experiment, and we'll figure it out in editing. Where when. Uh, um, when Ron Howard came in, he was very much concerned about how everything looked. Right. And, you know, it was one of the things that, um, you know, they said the difference was, was, was the Lord Miller were very in over their head. It was very chaotic. Ron Howard stepped in and was like, okay, here's how we're going to do things. And they were like, he just, instead of like building a giant set, he would like build a little bit of the set and shoot and then they would move on. And then, you know, yeah. I mean, it's Ron Howard, right? Well, and that's, you know that's I mean? the thing I think that I, I had said to you when um when he'd popped uh when he'd been announced to to take over was just like he's an extremely safe bet. Right? Where it's like they attempted with those other two and that was a risk, and it's like, okay, we gotta just at this point protect our investment more than anything else. Well, it is that, but you know, he's part of the family. Right. And he's of he you know, he's a uh veteran director and he has like he's known to have this very like father-like presence on the set okay you know he's organized he's very calming and that's what everybody said when he kind of took over you know he met with everybody and said let's get to work and it was like they were like it was organized like you know he worked with us we knew what we were doing we knew what was you know a lot of people said we didn't have because we were so far off the script we had no idea what we were even doing anymore we didn't know what they wanted as far as like their takes because they just let us do whatever and yeah well, where he was like, okay, here's the vision. This is what we're building to go. You know, it was very much a very calming, you know, presence on the on set, which is exactly what they needed. Yeah, which I guess is more what I meant when I was like, he's he's a guy I who knows what he's doing. I, yeah, I love that. Just using it as a as a fucking baseball bat. And can I just say, like, playing the uh, the asteroid field music? Yes, from Empire in this is just like it's the best choice they could have made. The cherry on the Sunday, man. Like. I I don't know if I would have been as happy if they like went with an entirely original composition here. Yeah. Cuz I don't know if it could match the same like uh gut feeling as the Astro theme gets. Right. And this is like this got the biggest cheer. It was like, okay. Here we go. Well, sure, and like bring in the that music right there. Yep. And it's like they're right where they need to be. See, and that's the thing. That's one of those moments of like, okay, we're gonna we're we're working backwards here. That works um, extremely right. well, and like using that music there, it's like it feels extremely earned. 
Yeah, I'm not sure who did the music for this. Uh, the music in um, Rogue Run we'll talk about I really had some issues with uh, for good reason, like not necessarily uh, Michael Giacchino's fault, but... Here, I'm looking um, up uh, who did Solo real quick. Yeah, I, he really did a, a great job with this, I felt like. There was enough original stuff and then enough like familiar themes to make it work. Um, let's see. So I got John Williams and John Powell as both credited. Uh, it looks like largely John okay. Powell with, uh, John Williams in, uh, the adventures of Han is what he's, uh, credited on. Right. I love this bit where he does this and spits all the debris up mm-hmm. and just wreck shop. I like that bit too, where he's like, you know, so-and-so did this on Corellia. He crashed <laughs> and he died. <laughs> Well, sure, it brings that level of, like, I'm going to try this shit, because we either yeah. do or we don't, and we die. Right. Well, it's that, you know, act first, think later mm-hmm. thing that you kind of like of, of Han. Well, sure, I think I think whenever we would play, like, Star Wars as kids, I would always go as Han for that very reason of just, like, I get to have all the fun. Yep. All the fun parts get get lent to me and all the uh, other parts that, like, sure, Luke gets force powers, but he doesn't get to fly like the Falcon. Right. And this is the bit where they're uploading L3. And that piece is still up there to this day. But I always had thought, like, man, how like shitty must it be to be l3 and you're just stuck with these two like with no choice right you don't get to be like i would rather interface out of this thing it's like i'm just a prisoner on a ship with two people i don't care about while lando is out doing his own thing i do like um at least she's with somebody who loves the ship yeah I'm just, I'm sure that they wouldn't have minded, like, getting a new chassis. This is classic, classic Star Wars. There's, like, a giant monster hiding in the, uh, Mm -hmm. in the depth. This is just, like, you know, Empire, it's Phantom Menace. See, this was a part that I was actually, like, not as big into. Yeah. Yeah, I I could do without it, but I mean it's because it felt a little too um, Empire. Yeah, I don't mind its design though. Its design is really cool. I saw somebody post a meme a while back that really made me think. They were like, you know, at the very end of uh, of Jedi, um, Lando and L three are there to to blow up the Death Star. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's cool to think about. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> I like the idea of the maw. Yeah. Like this giant ass gravity well. Yep. And it starts looking a little bit more like the Falcon. Some pieces are getting torn off of it. Yeah, just losing little bits here and there, getting a couple extra holes. I just like how the mod looks. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a really This feels a little bit Star Trek-y to me. Yes. Where, you know, we're getting sucked into the black hole and we gotta, you know, oh, well, if you eject the warp core, we can get out. And it's kind of that same thing where it's like, well, let's put a dot drop of quaxium in. Yeah. You know, like hit the nit- nitrous booster in the car. It's very um space balls. Yeah, with liquid force, right? Yeah. Or I'm sorry. Liquid Schwartz. Yeah. The liquid Schwartz, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of all I can really think about. (laughs) It's like more chunks getting torn off of the Falcon. Look, though, it's just helping for speed. I like it because, you know, it's like, well, yeah, it does have like when you see it like later on, it does have like the different color panels on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like big old stuff like that. And it's like, right. See, I also I don't I don't really mind all these shots of like them like having to run through the ship to get to the different compartments and everything. Yeah, I don't mind it, that. It just it feels really good to watch. I do kind of like the whatever creature that is. Yeah. It's like freaking Space Cthulhu or something. Space Cthulhu with a little bit of like a crab thing going on. Yeah. And it just got oh there goes its uh, little dish. Yep, one of several it'll go through. Yeah, just can't keep those things. It's <laughs> like uh, taking your your car with its antenna out through the drive uh, or through the car wash. Hey, it's just like when we start recording. Yeah. Now, now. Mm-hmm. I like this. Yeah, like I'm tracing it as it goes. Yep. Yeah. Look, more pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like having it like fail for a moment here. Yeah. I like this where it almost like breaks some sort of like sound barrier type thing. Yeah. That right there. It's warp that nine. is awesome. Yeah. See, that is the thing is it does a really good job of like pulling these earlier moments and like, okay, we're going to just try this again. We're going to work with what we've learned. Yep. It feels again, I, like we keep going back to it, but it does feel very Han. It is a thing yeah. where it's like, it's, it doesn't but, necessarily, it's not necessarily a, a movie that anybody wanted, but it's still like, it is a competent movie. Yeah. This is very, uh, Mad Max-ish, too. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that poor ship. Yeah, it is in a bad way. <laughs> and I don't think, I was going to say, I think one of its landing gears is gone. Yeah. Right? I also, I love that sound design there as the engine's failing and everything. It's got like yeah. that, uh, that pod racer sound pulled in. I also like, we missed the bit cause we were kind of chatting, but the, uh, <clears throat> the Wookiee that Chewie butts heads with when they leave is Anthony Daniels, mm-hmm. C-3PO. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like that bit over the life dead because the Wookiees say, you know, let's go. And he's like, no, I'm sticking with this guy. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe it's like I owe him or something, or maybe it's, you know, he's my friend or something, but I like the idea that he makes the decision. Yeah to go off with him as opposed to I owe you a life debt. So I have to, yeah, as it is the whole idea of the life debt has always felt a little, eh. 
not not necessarily yeah. even like uh, Chewie and Hans, uh, but just the idea in general. Like the idea of Jar Jar owing Qui Gon a life debt is like, ooh, this is a bit weird, especially yeah. when we're getting into this idea of like the Gungan being like these somewhat savage peoples. It's like, ooh, this is hitting some tropes I don't like. I love the bit too where he it's like classic Han where he's like, I hate you. Mm-hmm. He's like, I know. Like that's that's a great callback too. Yeah. Oh, let's see. How do you feel about yet another like deserty planet? Are you kind of over them? I am a little bit. I'm interested to see this planet that's coming up in episode nine because it's not Tatooine and it's not Jakku. I can't remember what the planet is, but it's like another, you know, uh, it's it's another desert planet. I think that's part of why I like Felucia so much is because it's so different than what we usually see. It's just different because it's usually it's like, okay, it's either going to be it's going to be a desert. It's going to be a nice planet or it's going to be like. I don't know, a barren place, I guess, in general. Maybe that even supplants desert. Something like Utapau. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I love Endor is Endor is just green. Yeah, Endor is like such a gorgeous location. Well, I mean, it was filmed in, you know, on the West Coast. You know, it was filmed in the um, the Redwoods, and it's like being a native Pacific, Pacific, a native Pacific Northwesterner. It's like, yeah. Trees. See, though, I almost feel like we need to redraw the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Just because it feels like it's like, okay, once we hit Idaho, it's like, those fuckers ain't never seen a coast. They don't have anything that you, like, experience as far as, like, living on the West Coast, right? Like, they don't have uh, these, like, luscious forests. It's, like, kind of just shrubland. Yep. I like this bit because it still shows Hans a little bit on the naive mm-hmm. side. Yeah, he's still a little bit too trusting. She's like, look, yeah, this is is a bad, like, this is a bad situation. You don't get it. Because he's like, let's go. Like, we can just, I'm not afraid of Crimson Dawn. And she's like, no, you should Yeah, it's like, if you aren't afraid of him, then you haven't been paying attention. Right. And in the end, like, he still doesn't know that ultimately, you know, Maul is in charge. But, yeah, you know, that's the thing. And she's like, you don't want to be an enemy of these guys. So does Maul get taken care of, I guess, during Rebels or something? Uh, like closed out. Does he get taken? Does he get taken care well, of? I mean, like, does he, does he get closed out as a uh, character? I will say that Maul has a beautiful arc in Rebels. Okay. I I love this music through here. <clears throat> I do too. Um, I love this shot. Yeah. This is like another like very Han moment. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, Maul is one of my favorite characters in the Clone Wars Rebels stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he has like some of the best storytelling, I think. This is <laughs> this is just very Han, mm-hmm. and a very I feel like Lando thing, where it's just like I'm out of here. Screw you guys. Yeah, Lando <laughs> leaving and Han trying to con his way out of this. Yep, it's classic. Screw you guys. I'm going home. And now he just like kind of backs up and goes, okay, well, I'm done. And it it seemed like the uh, (laughs) ship was pretty well toast by the time that they landed, but 
I guess that just shows Lando's a fantastic mechanic as well. <laughs> How do you feel about the twist with Emphis Nest? Um, I actually I don't mind. I kind of like it. Um, I like it. I've heard some people really complain about it, but I was like, no, I don't, I don't mind it at all. I mean, it definitely reminds me of some other piece of media that I can't think of immediately. A lot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I definitely do not mind it. It's, uh, it's pretty solid. So there's some rumors. Well, not rumors. Well, some rumors at this point. That's what most of it is that, some people are tossing around the idea of doing like a Crimson Dawn, Crimson Dawn series. Okay. Um, you know, there's been a big move lately of people, uh, social media trying to get another solo done. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been kind of some, some rumors that they've been talking about doing like a, a Crimson Dawn with like Kira. Okay. And, and would probably maul, but it would be interesting to see if they do that. And if you saw more of Infus Nest. Yeah, as like some sort of, um, depending on our viewpoint, either an antagonist or pro- uh, protagonist type role. Yeah, right. Uh, one of her dudes is Warwick Davis, mm-hmm. who is playing the same character as he was in The Phantom Menace. How, um, how old is Warwick Davis at this point, do you think? I don't know. I love this. Yeah, it's yet again more aliens. I'm like, there's that dude. There's Warwick. That dude also. um, There's a Rodian. Oh, I got uh, Rodians are my other ones. I'm like, I I gotta love. Well, and you don't see enough of them anymore. Mm -hmm. Like in the new trilogy, like you don't see a lot of the classic aliens anymore. They're all like new ones. Holy shit. Warwick Davis is only 49. Are you kidding me? No. No, there's no way, dude. He was 12 when uh, uh, Return of the Jedi came out. He was out. born in 1970. Wow, seriously? Uh-huh. I thought he was way older than that. <laughs> right. I feel horrible. I mean, I guess. But I like this idea that, like, you know, this is the the very, very, very basic roots of the rebellion. Yeah, where it's just like, here's people who've been fucked over by this entire system. Right. You know, and, and it's the very, like, beginning of these different groups starting to coalesce, even 10 years before the Battle of Yavin. So do you get the impression then that, like, uh, Crimson Dawn and all these other syndicates, to some extent, cooperate with the... Uh... Empire, or I guess more effectively that the Empire like relies on them in a way to keep certain populations in control. Yeah, I think that's, you know, just like we saw on Corellia when, uh, you know, uh, Proxima's guards like tap the stormtrooper and he walks away. I think they know like in a way we need them. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like that with any like brutal regime, right? They always have some sort of like you know, back table deal with the criminal cartels and stuff. They serve their purpose. I think it kind of does the same here. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Cause I guess it adds an extra layer to like the logistics of running an empire. Here's the thing. 
I get so caught up in films, I get like so incredibly gullible that I honestly thought he was walking away. Oh, really? And I felt so dumb when he showed back up. I guess when they said that there was a traitor, I knew it was going to be him. But for some reason here, I just kind of went, oh, wow, he's walking away. I guess he'll be back in another movie or something. Right. I guess I can see like believing that. But then again, in some movies, I have a hard time of like picking up those threads four or five steps ahead. Like some people do. I saw that coming from a mile away and I'm like, I didn't. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's not the worst thing, though. Right. To like just experience the film as it is and not try and play the like, I'm guessing five steps ahead. Ignorance is bliss sometimes. I think that's maybe another reason why I dislike participating in theory crafting because I'm just looking for signs that one theory is true over another one. While I'm watching the movie and then I'm just like, I'm not actually experiencing it. I'm just kind of like trying to connect it to other things. Right. Poor Chewie. Right. Being the pack mule. Just because he's the only non-human looking one. (laughs) I also like how um, Chewie's got the double bandolier. Yes. Yeah. I guess it's not a double, is it? Is that um, the, that's not the same way he usually has. No, because it? it's usually the one sling across instead of this like Y. <sighs> See, he's still got that. Mm-hmm. That's gonna change. Yeah, it definitely feels like, you know, you you wrap up this movie and you're like, okay, I can I can get some of uh some of Han's cynicism as we hit yeah. like episode four. Yeah, and this is still like, you know, ten years before he shows up in Moss Eisley with our our heroes. Yeah. What do you think of his his design? Um, how do you mean? Because he's not he's not human. He's like he's got like some weird human. like uh, like tiger striping thing going on. Yeah. Um. And I think I think I've seen before like when he gets mad or something like his lines. Yeah, they they become, become more, more pronounced or something. Uh. Yeah. It's certainly interesting. It it kind of gives him a, a slightly like predatory look which is kind of what you would almost want out of a uh like kingpin yep um like it gives him almost like a just a tiger-like appearance which doesn't hurt at all so um i guess overall i don't mind it you know it's one of those things where i always i always prefer my aliens looking more alien but i don't hate it It's like nobody likes watching Star Trek and your your alien is just like, here's a human with a little bit of like nose ridge. It's like <laughs> that happens all the time. It does. In Star Trek. It happens too often. I had some ridges right here and now you're alien. It's like nobody cares about them. Show me some Andolians. Andolians look pretty dope. <laughs> and it's like if you're going to have that, then at least go the extra mile with it. This whole idea is kind of cool where he's like basically like tells Beckett that he's going to have the, uh, the fake ones and he brings the real ones instead. Mm -hmm. 
he is kind of imposing. Yeah. Like that is the thing is he plays this this role of like just you you look at him and get the idea like I should not be fucking with you. Yeah. It is kind of a, you know, if if you kind of get into it a little bit, there is a little bit of tension where it's like you absolutely believe that he would kill you in a second. Mm-hmm. And and I like uh it seemed you know, I like Amelia Clark really plays that where she like knows. Yeah. Like you know, if he snaps, like we're dead. Yeah. Yeah, she really like knows how to uh how to just play to his good side. And sort of like, let's uh let's resolve these conflicts without um death. Right. Or at least if we are without my death. This is um this is classic Lawrence cast, and this is like right out of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. I told you, Doctor Jones, don't trust anyone, including me. Oh man, can we? At what point? I would have to check. I would love to play or have, have us cover uh, any of the uh, Indiana Jones movies. Oh god, we need to. We need to mark that down in the spreadsheet somewhere. Because I'm always down to rewatch those. I I love those so much. That's weird. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark on Wikipedia uh, states that the release date is 1981, but then it has an, in parentheses Soviet Union. Hmm. But it looks like the date's still 1981 regardless. I'll have to check what we've got listed for that day or for that year. Yeah, for sure. Even if, you know, that uh, that whole thing is going to go out the window, I feel like so quickly. 81, we don't have anything listed yet. All right. Well, let's do that. Then, yeah, huh? I'll mark it down after we're done. I like this bit. That's the, you know, it's that. It's the low point before. Yeah. I thought, did you think she was going to die here? No. Really? Yeah, I felt like it would have. I kind of wondered because I didn't think she'd. Good. No, I was just gonna say I, I I didn't think she'd live. I thought she'd die. Um, this I figured this was gonna be that one of those point. moments of like I unfortunately had to think a couple steps ahead during this, and I was like it would wind up yeah. being more impactful if she survives, but uh, screws over Han in the process, or you know sells him out That's or chooses true. to go the other way rather than if she died because then it's the whole thing of like, oh, this woman that I loved is still out there. But she's like destroyed me. Right. That, and I'm just I'm really tired of the whole like women dying as like the motivation for a uh, character. It is kind of a bummer. Yeah. I do kind of like that bit, though. You're kind of like, mm, he actually was thinking a few steps ahead. Yeah. Yeah, That's cool. I love that. Did you ever? There's a Rodian. Yeah, did you ever watch the uh, that guy right there? Yeah, it's either him or like his brother or something is in Rogue One. He's in. Uh, I think it's him. Is uh, with uh, Saw Gerrera, mm-hmm. the dude with the tunes. yes, I remember. 
did you ever watch the uh, trailers for that Halo movie from forever ago? Mm, a long time ago. Because, uh, man, anytime I watch like sci-fi fights, I just keep getting reminded of how we got robbed of that. I do, you know, when we started, I really uh, didn't dig all the gun flourishes. But by this point, I'm down for them. I don't know. I like it. Well, like when, when we're like out on the, the war zone, it's kind of like, okay, well, that's not practical. Yeah. But it does just kind of go. Uh, it it uh, does kind of give you an insight into his character, though. Yes. Where he's just like, I'm badass. I'm just going to be like twirling shit and killing people left and right. Oh, the crystal just got destroyed. I like having all these uh, weapons scattered throughout as well. Yeah. And I, I do really like the design of those knives with the, um, just the little like etchings along that, those uh, non-bladed yeah. edges. They're like, um, are those like Viber blades? They must be. Is that what they're supposed to be? I'm going to assume something along those lines at least. Viber blades do 1d6 damage. <laughs> I don't know. I missed that game. I wish we would play it. You know. The old West End games. Mike really wanted to do a uh, Star Wars D20 run through. Yeah. I think he even wanted to DM it. I know he'd read a good bit of the book, at least. Yep. <clears throat> She's got that shit down. Right. But I remember... Uh, I do like that ambiguous past, too. Like, what has she mm -hmm. done? Like, I don't need to know, but it's definitely one of those things where it's like, mm, she's done some ugly shit. Oh, yeah. Especially to make her way like this high up the uh, organization. Yep. It's uh, it's definitely one of those things that like, if you hadn't realized it earlier on in the movie, you definitely realize it by this point. Yeah. See again another point of like fantastic sound design, having it make that. Uh, sort of scraping sound as it cuts through the blade. Yep. Oh, yeah, the sound design is spot on. I feel like we constantly are pointing that out. And to be fair, isn't that usually like <laughs> the, the symbol of like bad sound design when you notice it? It's supposed but, to be. You know, I think that's what we're here for. That's what um, George Folsey says of the Academy Award winning editor. He's like, if, you, if you've noticed my editing, then I how good my editing is that I haven't done my job. Yeah. But again, I feel like that falls like way outside the, the realm of what we do where it's like, well, actually in our case, we should be taking note of maybe some of the editing. I would like to say, however, that I totally knew she was leaving. Mm -hmm. I was not that. Yeah. Global. I mean, as soon as she's, she's still alive, it's like, okay, well you're leaving. Yeah. Well, when she does this, I'm like, okay, she's yeah. out of here. <laughs> Aw. Makes me sad. Right. 
it's really it is really sad because I really do want to see like her story continue. Yeah. Um. You know, let's ask this. Uh, what do you feel like is uh, her motivation for making this this uh, switch? Do you think it's simply like living a, a life of just not having anything, and then it's like, oh, I now have the opportunity to run shit. I think it's fear. Yeah. Yeah, I guess over over what's uh what lies above all of this. Yeah, it, you know, she says that to him at one point. She's like, everybody has a mat, you know, somebody serves somebody, you know, Dryden serves somebody. I think she knows, you know, she knows who would come after them. And, and she kind of gives that speech where she's like, you know, we would be, you know, we would be hunted by them. Like, we wouldn't, you know, have this life or whatever. And he's like, I'm not afraid of them. And it's like. No, you don't understand. You should be. So I wonder, do you feel like this is almost an act of, like, sacrifice? Like, I'm going to become the uh, leader of this syndicate to keep this guy from going after you and me if we were to run off together. More as, like, almost a thing of, like, protecting Han over anything else. A little bit, yeah. Oh, I flipped out right here because, A, Sam Witwer's voice. Mm -hmm is amazing. He did the voice of Maul in the Clone Wars and Rebels. But you see the metal yeah. legs. And at that point, I think I leaned over to Ned, my stepdad. I'm like, they actually did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was definitely a moment in theaters where um, Mike, not knowing that he existed past uh, episode one, was definitely surprised. Yeah. Um, I knew because I'd like kept up with some of the, the stuff just through wikis. And of right. course, Frankie had never watched a Star Wars movie before, I think, episode seven. I think that was her starting point. So she had no clue who this dude was at all. Like she had no idea what Maul was or how he tied into things. And, you know, and he mentions Dathomir, Mm -hmm. which is where he's at. So you could have some night sister stuff going on. And he's also has his, uh, um, his blade from, uh, I like how he's also looking a little bit more aged. He's definitely his horns are a little. Um, he actually looks a lot more more like he does in mm-hmm. Rebels than he does uh, in the other stuff. Which is, I don't know how he gets ahead of him, but I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was so happy. But it was one of those things too, where it's like I can understand where like because I did hear people going, "What the hell? Yeah, he's dead." I could hear them in the theater, and it's like. That was, that was Mike's response, I think, because he, like, again, didn't know that he'd existed beyond that point. So he's like, um, right. what the fuck am I even looking at? Right. And I feel like that was definitely a moment that's like, oh, this is a bummer for anybody who's not kept up with Clone Wars or uh, yeah. Rebels. Well, it's definitely one of those things, too, where it's an opportunity for somebody to go, what the hell? And it's like, no, go watch Clone Wars yeah. and Rebels because his story is great. Go do several hours of homework first. Oh, and this is um, Ron Howard and Lawrence Kasdan. Like, I'm sure George Lucas was like, I get it, you guys. I'm, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I get it, you guys. Jar Jar he shot is first. the key to, or key to all of this. I said Jar Jar is the key to all this, though. Episode 9 is going to end with Jar Jar taking uh, the, the seat of the New Republic. Or sorry, <laughs> New New Republic. Jar Jar ends up being a uh, fucking children's clown <laughs> on the streets of Naboo. I think it's Naboo or some other planet because the the galaxy blames him for starting the war. I mean, yeah, he becomes a cl- he becomes a uh, children's clown, but more of a John Wayne Gacy clown. <laughs> I love this bit right here, though, where he's like, you see his finger just twitch, and he's like, boom, mm-hmm. 
You're done. And I like that bit where it's like, you know, he's almost proud of him because he's like, I would, I would have killed mm-hmm. you if you hadn't have done that. He's like, good job, boy, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it is a thing where definitely all of uh, Beckett's lessons to be taught to uh, Han have, have uh, been learned. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like this bit. You feel like Chewie has to smell. I bet Chewie's got a weird funk to him. I bet he smells good. I bet he constantly smells like a wet dog. I love that ship. I love the design yeah. of it. Because you immediately think it should be horizontal, right? Yeah, but instead it's just this like knife cutting through the sky. Like classic uh, Han fashion. Like he ends up doing the right thing in the yeah. end. We'll see. You know, I like that bit where she's like, you know, I know who you really are. And he's like, who am I? And she's like the good guy. And it's like, yeah, in the end. Yeah, it's it's kind of been Han's greatest character flaw is that he's like just too good for the business that he's in. Right. Where it's like, if he wanted to succeed in this, he should be like, a complete shit bag. Right. He should be a cutthroat. But I think growing up in Corellia, surrounded by those people, like, was just enough to, like, draw, drive him away from that as right. a mentality. I like, I do like this bit where they're kind of like, you know, we need, because he ends up being all that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, it's like not now. Nope. So I'll be give me give me a decade. Yeah. It, this is the same thing from before, right? This is the thing that they stole from. Yeah, I think so. Well, no, because they lost that. Well, I mean, it's probably not the same one, but you know. Yeah. In in a roundabout way, he uh, he regained his ticket. I had heard um, that Harrison Ford really liked his take. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much of that is politics, you know. Like, he's not going to come out and say he sucked, but... I think he probably could, just because, like, from my understanding, Harrison Ford, by that final point, was like, I am fucking over this shit. Yeah. I like he's wearing like a Halloween or a, not a Halloween, like a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> yeah, he's like he is full like Jimmy Buffett parrot head here. I love that callback too, where they're like doing the fist thing and then they hug each other. Mm-hmm. Like on Bespin. Nice little call forward. Call forward, call back. It's the this is the um pre sequel. Yeah. <laughs> He wants that ship. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. I think this was what was really fucked for me when I was uh, when I was leaving the theater. It's like, uh, so Han basically just bought Lando's woman. <laughs> oh, God, I never thought about that. Yeah. Well, that's a Twi'lek. Because that, that was the thing that, that I'd left the theater thinking was just like, um, there's a life attached to that ship. 
I love that bit. I don't know if I would say that considering L3 is actually in there now. Uh-huh. I had heard somewhere that there were like that there was basically three droids inside the ship. Okay. That the the main, you know, operating system, the main the main systems were basically three droids. You know, but I don't know. That would have been a fun story in that um Oh, they did that uh, that anthology of like Star Wars from other points of view. Mm, yeah. That would have been a fun point of view to to take on would have been uh, just the ongoings of all the computers having to network with each other on a starship. Yep. <laughs> Remember, pal, you lost her to me fair and square. I'm going to have to try desperately not to do quotes of Star Wars when we watch the uh, the OT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably, uh, probably for the best. <laughs> It'd be like if uh, Mike and I like watched Red vs. Blue season one together and just oh, recited it to each other, and that would be our podcast. That was kind of a jarring last shot. Yeah. You know, of, of focusing on... They they really could have done the two of them hitting the hyper... Thr- hyper uh, jumping to hyperspace and then left it at that. Yeah, I would have accepted them um, if they pushed it forward rather forcefully. That way you could get a little like a, a sound clue as well when it when it cuts to uh credits so you know pushing yeah. forward you hear a little bit of a thunk and then it it shifts over well something it was just weird to like switch to the dice again yeah and that's like your last shot is the dice i feel like they they like they tried it it's it's like that whole making trying to make fetch a thing where it's like i don't feel like people cared about the dice at all before this maybe a little bit but well, it was a not- cool thing like it you know i mean people certainly like had bought and you know, merchandising of the dice and had them up in their cars and everything else. But it, I don't seem kind of weird to focus on so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean is it's just like for, for such a small part of his character, we get so many shots of the dice over and over again. Yeah. And it's, it hits it really hard. Yeah. And it's like, man, we could have reworked some of that. Maybe all of that. A little bit. That's, I mean, admittedly, that's kind of, like, I guess it makes kind sense of for him to have me, as, I like, guess. a charm and everything. It's just, like, we we have so many shots of the dice. Yeah. It, I, um, let's, yeah, um, so, yeah. so thoughts while we're in the credits? Um, you know, I didn't hate it, which I think is about how I felt when I left the theater. I think I when I left the theater, I was like, you know what? That was not a bad, like, uh, afternoon. Yeah. And I think I come away from the same thing. I um, I think it's a great adventure movie. I, oh, absolutely. I, I remember saying that as as uh, my stepdad and I left the theater. I was like, this, it was a fun adventure movie. Yeah. You know, I said I'm not exactly entirely sure. I felt like it was Han Solo movie. It kind of dipped in and out of, out of that, but I'm like, it feels like a Star Wars adventure. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, right? It's like I can never complain about like an expansion of star wars universe and lore that i don't have to go watch 24 hours of a tv show for right um you know it it like expanded the um 
the sort of underworld, not underworld, underbelly, criminal underbelly of, uh, of the Star Wars universe, which I never hate. You know, I think one of the, those expansions that I really liked to Empire at War was the one that, like, adds the criminal element right. um, as a playable faction. Like, I, I had always thought that that added something interesting because it's, like, space crime is fascinating. Um, yes. So I definitely don't mind uh, its, its additions to, to the universe at all. Um, and again, it gives us L3, and I love L3 to death, so. I, um, I liked that it was, just like you said, it was a change of pace, that it was about the criminal underground or the criminal underworld or whatever. Yeah. And I like the fact that, like, for once, the galaxy wasn't depending on them. Right. You know what I mean? It was a contained story. It was an adventure. It wasn't like this is life or death for the rebellion or the galaxy or, yeah, we didn't you know, need these like mega destroying stakes. weapon. Yeah. What's that? I said, we didn't need like some mega stakes or something. Yeah. I mean, there were stakes, but they were personal stakes Yeah, and not, you know, not some, you know, I always say that with the Marvel movies is sometimes it's nice to have a Marvel movie without like a super villain that's going to end the world. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of how I felt with this was it was a uh, fun, you know, it was just, it was different. You know, I, it's it's not um it's not by far my favorite, no, uh, of the group. But um but I had a good time with it. I I can understand reasons why people didn't care for it as much. Yeah, I think um a lot of the reasons that we've already discussed, right? Where it's like it does yeah. feel a little bit like pandering a bit, and that kind of sucks. But and I didn't, you know, for myself, I didn't feel like it's I I myself couldn't see where it had like a huge director change. Right. In um, the Justice League, I could see parts where it was like, okay, this was the bit that Joss Whedon did. This was the bit that Snyder did. Right. You know, it felt like two different movies to me that they had taken and like chopped together. I didn't really like have a sense of that here. Like I, I really couldn't tell you which parts were Lord Miller and which parts were. Yeah. You know. Well, sure. This Ron is a perfect. Howard. This is a really good blend um, that they managed. Unlike with Justice League, where it's it's kind of like instead of peanut butter and chocolate, it's like peanut butter and piss. Right. It's not good for anybody. Everybody hates it, and uh, right. nobody can ever have a good time. And with this one, it's like you know what? The they weren't so um, diametrically opposed at at too many right. parts. Uh, you definitely right. you could believe that it was like entirely ron howard directed or you could believe that it was 70 percent ron howard directed for sure yeah but this um you know we kind of mentioned before you know this really changed the game for uh for star wars for lucasfilm because they really i think thought they were untouchable you know we could you know almost anything we make in the star wars universe is going to kill it and you know this one i think I'm pretty sure that they ended up losing money on. Yeah, I think, um, you know, they ended up reshooting 70% of the movie, which uh, I almost want to say that they had almost doubled the budget, I think. Right. At that point. Um, And, you know, it didn't do great. It wasn't reviewed very well. Um, I think part of the problem was um, marketing as well, because I remember like this wasn't really marketed, right? Like it it basically, we had our first trailer. What was it like a month or two months before release? The first trailer came out with, um, I think it was Monday Night Football or the Super it was Bowl. A, it was the Super Bowl. Which would have been, I think, like three months before, three or four months before it came out. Like that was the first look of it. And that was in a, like a really, 
that was a teaser at best. Oh yeah. There and wasn't, then there, there was substance. one other trailer and then some TV spots, you know, some little bits here and there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. unlike with something you know, like, yeah, uh, that- with, a force awakens where it was like oh we're gonna unveil this and then we're gonna just show you tv spot after tv spot after trailer after trailer to build hype with this one it was like i couldn't have told you when it was coming out you know at all well and you know with all of the baggage behind this and all of the you know the drama behind the scenes like they didn't help themselves at all by not marketing it because that just tells audiences that they were ashamed of it yeah you know, well, you're, was, you're not behind it. You know, you're not behind the project. You know, you don't really want to bring a whole lot of attention to it. And that just fed more into those negative rumors that were going around. Well, and I'm, I'm I think part of this was also like kind of hurt by um, Last Jedi, where it's like the people who, for dumb reasons, felt burnt by Last Jedi probably felt like this was just pandering to them and weren't going to be satisfied by it. Right. Because there is something to be said about like, OK, well, we did something a little bit risky. So let's uh, let's try and return back to something safe. And I just don't think well, that it played well. Well, and but you're on to something there. And that's the reason that that's the main reason that they give for it not doing as well. It came out five months after Last Jedi. Yeah. And, you know, originally, um, you know, the Star Wars movies had gotten to the point where they were coming out in December every year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they were owning December. Yeah. You know, I mean, December has become Disney's month and they wanted to hit that may release date because it was the anniversary and you know and and they've come out uh, i think bob Iger and uh kathleen kennedy both have come out and said like we should have probably with all the issues pushed it to december instead of keeping that release date because there was still a really like sour taste in people's mouths over last jedi yeah i mean i hate to get into like gaming news but it's like how i feel about with blizzard and diablo where it's like it's a awful time to be announcing a diablo 4 or an overwatch 2 like you just shouldn't absolutely. be doing it right now. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, they should have They should have pushed it back. They should have just, you know, eaten that a little bit and pushed it back to December because um, you could have done some more post. You could have done some more tweaking. You could have done a proper uh, marketing um, campaign for it. There would have been some separation from Last Jedi, so people wouldn't have been, you know, you're, you're always going to have those that are, you know, going to be against you know lucasfilm disney you know post uh disney lucasfilm now for you know whatever because of whatever reasons i don't want to get into yeah but i'm sure we'll hit them when we get to like force awakens and stuff yeah yeah you're not gonna get to them but some people you could have you know made them feel a little bit better you know going into that but you know because of that um they were gonna release like a movie every every year you know it was gonna be an anthology movie uh saga movie anthology movie etc yeah they're gonna swap them and back they and had forth. um uh they had a, a boba fett movie in the works mm-hmm. with uh james mangold the guy that did logan okay um they had the obi-wan movie that was being worked on um you know and all this stuff kind of in the in the pike and after this they like hit the bricks or hit the brakes like big time and basically scrapped all of their projects um, you know, Ryan Johnson was going to have a trilogy he was working on. Um, you know, there was all of this stuff that suddenly like, you know, kind of just went quiet, you know, and now with the advent of D- Disney plus, there's so much positive hype around the Mandalorian. Um, they took the Obi-Wan script and expanded it into a series 
Right. And people are like absolutely going nuts. You know, there's a Cassian Andor series coming out at some point. Um, so I wonder then, do you feel like um, going into these extended series is maybe the better route for Star Wars at the moment? And that maybe right um, moving away from like uh, the feature films is probably going to be yeah. what, what helps things in the long run. Yeah, which is the plan. They kind of had announced, um, I think it was Bob Iger had announced uh, last week, I think, that they were going on hiatus after episode nine comes out for a while. Which, <clears throat> you know, part of that is also because Benioff and Weiss pulled out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're not doing their, I guess it was going to be an origin of the Jedi. Yeah, because they were going to um, do a, um, like a The Old Republic type deal. Well, it was like before that. It right. was actually like right, how right. the Jedi formed, which would have been cool. But, you know, I think basically everybody kind of like kind of went, OK, let's let's chill. Well, <clears throat> it doesn't help as well and, that like with the end of Game of Thrones, a lot of people were like, uh, I don't want Benioff and Weiss anywhere near Star Wars. Well, they had, you know, they just had signed like a what was it like a nine digit deal deal or some shit like that for Netflix? Yeah. Which is from my understanding and, why they pulled out. Well, that's yeah. They said that that's the reason they pulled out was, um, you know, the deal was, was that they were going to work on stuff with Netflix at the same time they were doing star Wars and Lucasfilm didn't really like that idea. They wanted them kind of completely. Well, especially when uh, you're focused now on star working Wars. on your directors on like two, uh, competing streaming platforms. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the kind of the, the behind the scenes stuff is, is like they didn't, you know, the, the rumor is, is, you know, the, the backlash from fans on, you know, from Game of Thrones, they basically said, you know, the, the Star Wars fandom is toxic enough. Like, why do we want to do this again? Right. You know, we've already had to deal with one, you know, quote unquote toxic fandom why would we want to dish ourselves into another one like there's there's it's a no-win scenario there's nothing we're going to be able to do that you know we're not going to get drugged through the mud so they you know had decided to focus completely on their netflix projects but um you know now that now that that's done i think they've pretty much decided to say let's chill out let's get our ducks in a row let's like plan stuff out and with disney plus you know with the tv stuff you know, that's kind of the way to go. You're not spending as much money. You're not, you know, I mean, you can make a movie for 250 million and then you can spend another 250 million marketing it and, uh, getting into, um, uh, getting it into theaters, you know, all this kind of jazz. And with Disney plus, you don't really have to do that. Yeah. You're going to have like a so, kind of a built in, uh, marketplace and everything that you already control so much of. That you don't really yeah, have to so, worry about. Um, you also don't have to worry about like competing with other films as as little as Disney currently has to do that. You know, it's still a thing of like, yeah, you don't have to market it because it's like I got complete market share of this shit. Sure. Yeah, and um, you know, this is the perfect way. You can, and you can tell better stories, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you have uh, you have the ability to you know, tell an eight or nine or 10 episode, um, story. That's basically like a 10 hour movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, you know, why not go that route? I don't necessarily know if like a longer, uh, runtime that you can fill necessarily means that you should fill it. Right. Um, cause it's, it's one of those things where it's like, let's face it. A lot of walking dead could be summed up in maybe 10 episodes. Well, yeah, but, but that's why you don't do a 16, 16- Right. Episode I'm just saying like, so it's, it's one of those things where I can see, though, running into if it winds up in a multi-season deal, for example, things getting yeah. a bit long in the tooth. 
sure. But but that's I not think, also that's also not necessarily right now, right? It's I think it's, it'd be wrong for me to pass judgment before any of this shit's even out. Yeah, I I think in this sense, um, what's really advantageous is the sense that you can tell a character story or a world story over you know seven hours. You don't have to cram everything into a two hour span, right? You know what I mean? Like for the Mandalorian, you get eight hours that you can you know build up the world and tell a story and build up the characters and get to know them, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And you're not in a rush, you know, like you are in a, in a movie. And it does fix my problem of like, I, I would always love to see more of the world explored more than anything else. Um, and it's a thing that you can't get in a movie, but you can get in a TV show or, uh, right. an extended, I guess, web series would be the better way to put it at this point. Exactly. I feel like that's definitely a bit of vernacular that, uh, we as a, as a group need to change moving forwards with uh, a lot of this stuff being put through digital streaming platforms first rather than a TV show. But right. that's probably beside the point. So, yeah, so that was um, Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah. Uh, next week we'll be doing Rogue One. Um, yeah, next week will be Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Um, are you um, are you excited for it? Like, how are you feeling uh, beforehand going into Rogue that? Rogue One is one of my favorite films. Really? Of, the, of the of the movies yeah it absolutely is one of my favorites so i am definitely looking forward to it we're actually doing a double um recording next weekend because we're a little bit behind um we're going to be doing and it's, uh, it makes it makes so much sense to do it yeah. that way with uh with how those films are lined yeah, up yeah we're going to be doing rogue one and then um a new hope uh next weekend which doesn't affect you guys at all because you know you're going to get it separately etc but definitely uh um makes sense because it just goes from one right into another but um but yeah it's yeah so i mean it would be nice to just go in like with uh with everything that just happened fairly fresh yeah and it's uh it is one of my one of my favorites so i am definitely looking forward to it i can't say i'm as excited for it uh i think i left the theaters when i'd watched it pretty much the same way i left the theaters watching solo Sure. i'm curious to see if doing the commentary will change my mind on it i um <laughs> I am definitely so I read the novel Catalyst um, right right up. I was reading it the morning of the movie was finishing it up and it is one of my favorite Star Wars books. So I will be jabbering about that a lot because it, it gives so much backstory and so much like world building stuff. Um, oh, I'm definitely down for that. that. Like, that's the thing is it's great because whenever you can talk about that, I don't have to go read that right. stuff now. And I am so happy about that because it is a thing where it's like as much as I gripe about how I wish there was more world building, it's like I got like 40 other That's books true. I need to be reading. Yeah, you were lined uh, up. I don't have the time for Star Wars. I got like I got weird disease books to read. <laughs> yeah. OK, cool. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Um, uh, if you could, uh, you could go to your podcast app of choice, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whichever you listen to um, and rate and review us because that really helps a lot. Um, it would really help if you shared us with your friends, you know, your buddies or share us with your enemies. Either one. We don't care. We'll um, we'll infect all of them. Um, we take all kinds. Yeah, we're at that stage right now where word of mouth is like the biggest thing for us right now. So that would be a big help if you yeah. could do that. You know, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you know, we've we've done pretty well the first few episodes. I can't believe we're already on. We're four episodes in. That is the thing is it's like, you know what, that is uh, something to be applauded for us. We are awful about staying on, on schedule in the past. And I think barring, you know, a week gap or whatever, like that's not terrible yeah, for us. Not bad at all. So, uh, so yeah, so rate and review, uh, all that kind of jazz. 
Um, you can find us on Twitter um, at NobsPod, uh, N-O-W-B-S-P-O-D. And uh, yeah, anything else? Uh, I don't think All so. All right, well, as I like to say, Nobheads, take somebody to a movie this week. Yeah, and uh, engage hyperdrives, All right. but in reverse. Cool. By which means stop. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.